Friday, December 14th, 2018, and you are tuned into Season 2, Episode 49 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Presented by Hameen Media. And now in association with LastWordOnProWrestling.com. On this week's show, Rick and I are talking Final Battle, TLC, the Indie Spotlight Returns, and much, much more. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. You can find the show at Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks, streaming at twitch.tv backslash Hitting the Marks, and email us at Hitting the Marks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day, but give it up for my tag team partner, RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me, it's me! It's that art of the beat of the beat, Rick Vickery. Back again on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. But for this opening, I have not come alone. With Jargo joining me, joining me is a delicious Tina's Red Hot Gas Station Burrito. This is my new official podcasting group, Tina's Red Hot Gas Station Burritos. And he said, man, hey. I'm going to see. Let's see if we can get through this show before this thing gets through me. Oh, my goodness. You know, I'm a big fan of uh, crappy gas station hot dogs. That's really my thing. I'm, I, I'm really a big fan of the crappy gas station hot dog, and I rate it on the level of crappiness. And, you know, that kind of brings us right to where I wanted to start today, Rick. Um, because, you know, the WWE did something on Monday night, and I thought, you know, we should do the same. So I want to apologize to everybody out there who is listening to us, who may watch us on twitch.tv, find us on YouTube, you know, Mondays in the locker room. I want to apologize to everybody that this show sucks. And uh, in saying that this show sucks, we are going to go forward and do exactly the same show that we normally fucking do. Well, I'm going to take a little exception there because I, I don't, I don't want us to be categorized with anything WWE. Now there is that. What did you think of this? Don't you put that voodoo on us. What did you think of this opening promo, man? Seth Rollins comes out on Monday Night Raw. Number one, Seth Rollins in the in the state of California. Is it really the appropriate place to add "Burn It Down" like eight hundred times to this freaking opening theme song? I mean, number one, it was annoying as shit. Number two, it was insensitive as hell. Uh, but. This opening promo, Rick, it, it's so strange, and for almost a week now, I've been trying to figure out the psychology to this, because we're going meta, but it's all storyline, because we're blaming Baron Corbin for it, who really doesn't have any power, but everything that Seth is saying is true. This is just a fascinating study in psychology as to what in the hell were the writers thinking? Well, you know, to, to go back to the burn it down, um, annoying, yes. Insensitive, I'm not buying into that. You know what? To hell with that stuff. We're not going to change the gimmick, what they've got going on for the circumstances happening out there. No, they're not taking any kind of cheap shot. Uh, that's not any ill will towards the citizens of California. I think the people that are 
that are or, you know kind of pushing that gimmick there, pushing that angle. They're reaching a little too much. But yeah, how many times I mean, this revamped intro for him? I mean, it's pretty much that's all it is. Just screaming, burn it down. Uh, a little annoying there. I'm not sure which is more annoying, the burn it down or the sirens and the Ambrose's thing. Now, see, I'm okay with those. I, I like those in there. It changes it changes the riff of the music there. You know you're supposed to have a different feeling to him, towards him. He's supposed to annoy you a little bit. That, that's part of the gimmick now with him. He's he trying to get that heat on him. But, but to the point of the actual promo, sitting there watching that thing, taking it in, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And, and my immediate thought was, this is one of those just sick, unnecessary ribs coming from the back. Yeah, and that's very much what it felt like. It's WWE, Vince McMahon, Stephanie McMahon, Triple H, whoever it might be, saying, okay, we hear all the fans, the smart thing. We even hear, we even hear the observations from from the you know former employees stars in this business uh, that are out in the podcasting game we we hear everything you're saying we're gonna we're gonna give it to our biggest baby here let him come out vent your frustrations point it right in our face and then turn around and just just go about this as nothing as nothing has ever changed Yep, and that was that was pretty much the message that they sent throughout Monday Night Raw. Absolutely nothing has changed. Uh, but there, there's so much of that promo that is breaking the fourth wall that is so incredibly meta. Like, I understand that our listeners know what the ratings are. I understand that Meltzer's listeners know what the ratings are. Keller's listeners know what the ratings are. But the average person that's tuning into Monday Night Raw... They don't know that the ratings are the worst that they've ever freaking been. Don't come out and tell people that, let alone to blame Baron Corbin, who is a storyline general manager for it. And then you've got Seth Rollins out there who's defending the revival, who's going after Lucha House Party. Like, there's no continuity when you look at this promo. And there's a bunch of the marks out there that are just like, oh. <gasps> They're listening to us. They broke the fourth wall, and that's all that they took away from the promo. Well, and this is this goes back to one of the issues I have in today's environment, professional wrestling. Where I always talk about, you know, the reason we do not have true superstars. You know, you go back to you know the greater eras. They had stars that we looked up to. We were in awe. You know, they were larger than life characters, figures that you you want it to be like. Now the problem is that you've got this large fan base that is like the wrestlers or they think they are. There isn't that difference of where they're up on a pedestal. It is, hell, I could be one of them. I, I can do stuff. I look similar to that guy. I'm into those same things. I, I follow everything they do on social media. I do that. We're, we're right here together. And then when you do something like this and it's, and in WWE's eyes, they're connecting with the, I guess maybe more smart mark audience because it's like, oh, he's talking for me. That's me up there. That's what I say. They, they feel like they're more on the even playing field with the product, which which lowers the quality of the program. Well, because the problem is when you cater to that audience, what you do is you turn everybody else off who's not a part of that audience. And that's why ratings are down 23% from two years ago. Well, and then, you know, to kind of switch gears just a little bit, we're talking about ratings. You got that other argument out there. 
where people are like, well, you know, they're still in the top five of ratings. You know, even if it's even if it's low, that just means people aren't watching anything. No, there's still a serious issue there. You don't ever you judge your success in any business first and foremost against yourself. And you look at your own numbers, your own product from year to year, week to week. And when you see a serious decline like that, you've got serious problems. What your approach should be, okay, you look at the overall ratings, other shows are down. Why aren't we smashing everybody right now? Why are why aren't we and there is a lot more out there. Uh, the the buffet of entertainment is so is so great now in 2018 that you are going to spread out viewership. But that shouldn't be, hey, we're still hanging there in the top five. It should be, no, we we need to be moving ahead. We need to be taking a charge and a stance and blowing all these other individuals out of the water. And I wouldn't even be backing off, you know, looking at the hot trends, you know, who's always leading on Monday night right now, the NFL. I put a huge target on their ass. I wouldn't be like, oh, you know, we're just behind the NFL. We're still in the top five. We're, uh, po- politics are hot. We're still losing to whatever's on Fox. I would have a target on their ass, making sure that my company, my employees, top to bottom, the directive is we got to catch those SOPs. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens when Monday night football is over and the rating doesn't really change. Because it doesn't seem, regardless of how many people are watching Monday night football, the raw rating is not changing whatsoever it's not like you've got a bad game and the raw rating goes up or you've got a really good game and the rating goes down and it levels out next week that's not been the case whatsoever they've lost 750,000 viewers this year I mean you when you want to talk about comparing to yourself that's what I'm looking at look at the 10-week trend look at the three-month trend look at the year-long trend you're losing viewers left and right well and it, you know, we got a little heat last week, and, I, and that was something I really kind of want to say for the locker room because that's where we kind of brought it up to, you know, address the individuals that might not understood, you know, when we were talking about, you know, and maybe not blame, but we were looking at reasonings. Why are the ratings stagnant? Why are viewers, you know, abandoning left and right? Like this thing's a Titanic. They can't wait to get off this thing. It's not a blame game. It's a reality of the situation. It's in any business. You have to look at facts and stats, not opinions, facts and stats. You look at those numbers and you look at what you're producing at that time that kind of falls in line with those trends. And that is how any business works. It's not something that we're not trying to pick on professional wrestling on WWE. This is just real talk here, people. Had a good conversation with uh, Mr. Billy Ray Valentine this morning regarding that exact topic. And uh, I've come to the conclusion that this is what happened Monday in the locker room. We triggered a lot of people. And uh, people, they, they may have heard what was said, but they weren't listening to it. Because we were clearly making the point that we're looking at this from a business perspective and Vince McMahon's mindset. And somehow that turned into us burying the women. We triggered yeah. a whole lot of people on Monday, man. Well, because because you got the sensitive group out there, and maybe not the sensitive you know group. The people are just more conditioned in, in this marketing world. We hit some buzzwords, and they weren't very PC friendly, and they hurt a lot of feelings. And some other individuals that you know they're great minds, they're just kind of in this in this circumstance missed our point. It, it, it could have been any anything else. We were just looking at one trend, and you, you're you naive out there. If you believe Vince McMahon doesn't pull back at some point and looks at this thing through his eyes, his business perspective, and sees 
the, the most drastic change in his programming and product during this downfall of ratings is the women's push because it has never been there before. Well, and then the thing that is absolutely hilarious that 100% completely proved our point Tuesday on SmackDown, they had advertised Mandy Rose versus Naomi. And that match didn't happen. That was the first match that was cut. And they put all the heat on the Miz for creating this tag team match, you know, and oh, well, you know, since they had that match with Shane McMahon and the Miz and that tag team thing, you know, there wasn't time for Naomi versus Mandy Rose. No, Vince decided that he would rather have his son on television than Mandy Rose versus Naomi. That's exactly what it comes down to. And that's exactly the point we were making Monday in the locker room. And somehow it got incredibly taken out of context. The the part that just baffles me is when I said, let me be clear. This is not against the talent. (laughs) And somehow people took it as us burying the talent. It's absolutely mind boggling. I I think, you know, even this ratings conversation through this week in in different threads online that that I picked up on. And a, a lot of it is. Everyone always kind of goes at you're attacking the talent because you because you're dissing, you're putting down, you're being disrespectful towards WWE. This has nothing to do with the talent. I know the vast majority of those that are displeased with what we're seeing from WWE right now, they're rooting for the talent. We want the best for them. We want them to have an opportunity to show their true abilities and make this the best era of professional wrestling that we've ever known. Our, our problem is with management and creative. The directive they're going with, that there is lack of character depth. There's no continuity. And a complete, a complete lack of logic throughout these throughout the program. Monday night, Seth Rollins literally accused Baron Corbin of making Drake Maverick piss his pants. That happened. That was in the opening segment of Raw. I don't care how meta it is. It's not good. It's not good. This is, uh, I was listening to our good friend, Bruce Mitchell, and he brought up, this is exactly what killed the UWF. This is exactly how Cowboy ran the UWF out. Um, I got to bring up this tweet because this was my favorite tweet from Monday. Uh, This comes to us from our new follower, Mikey Watches Wrestling. You can find him at WrestleWatcher on Twitter. He says, Corbin, you're the reason Raw has sucked. Three hours later, Corbin is headlining. I mean, that sums it up right there. We're going to do the, exactly the same show. We're just going to have this well, opening segment that's going to be super meta, and people are going to be like, oh, they're talking to us. It's the CM Punk thing all over again. Well, essentially what you get, you know, you come out, you have this thing to get to get the smart mark overly excited. Those that aren't seeing through this, the BS that they're spewing there. And then, you know what, then the first match, you think, oh, maybe they are shaking something up here. Maybe it wasn't just a bunch of just BS lip service of rip on the fans. You know, they, they do the, the title change, which is a little surprising, you know. Not that anyone really cares because I don't think anyone is really invested in the tech division right now. But then by segment three, we're back to the same old garbage. Yep. And then, you know, this, I didn't even have this on the run, but this kind of came out yesterday. Then we had Jimmy Jacobs taking to Twitter to defend the WWE writing. And the defense is, it's hard. It's hard to write a three-hour show every week and then turn around and write another two-hour show. It's hard. Hey, Rick, guess what? My job's hard, too. But you know what I do? 
my fucking job. Jesus Christ. Some of these people, man, just blows my mind. So let's uh, let, let, let's talk about another guy who's doing his job, and he's doing it well. And Rick, I know you know this gentleman very, very well. His name is Denim Blevins, and he is the owner of Battle on the Border Professional Wrestling right there in the great state of Ohio. Yeah, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Blevins, uh, a good friend of mine. I've been fortunate enough to be uh, partnered up with Battle on the Border Pro Wrestling. Uh, I've been with them now for a couple events, a couple of months, and we have got a, a huge event on the horizon coming up uh, December 21st, 22nd. I'm pumped for it, but you know what? Let's let's kick it over. I, I want to hear it from, from the boss's mouth himself. So here it is. It's the Indie Wrestling Spotlight brought to you by the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast with Battle on the Border owner, Denim Blevins. We'll be right back. On top of my game When I leave here Don't forget my name I've worked really hard To get where I am And I've already paid my dues To my great uncle Sam and I I've been learned By the best that there was I stock away Every penny Because One day I ain't gonna do this No more And I wanna be sad When I walk out that door From the bottom To the top You know I won't stop I read the Wall Street Journal Hope my stocks don't drop With my black suit tie Yeah you know who I am I'm a play chain Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a new staple here of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Each and every month, we're going to be searching out the absolute best from around the world of independent professional wrestling. This is the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast Indie Wrestling Spotlight, sponsored by NDPW.com. As I welcome in our first guest, I have to admit, I do feel a little bit uncomfortable. We've all heard of Ohio versus everything and just how dangerous that can be. And I'm used to handling the RBV, but now I have to welcome in not just a fellow Ohio cohort, but a fellow Southern Ohio native joining the show for the first time. He is the owner and operator of Battle on the Border Professional Wrestling, Mr. Denim Blevins. Denim, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Looking forward to it. Denim, as is customary when we have a new guest on the show, we like to dive into the individual's background, find out a little bit about the person and their passion behind their love of pro wrestling. Growing up, you were heavily involved in both youth and high school sports, and you've carried that love of competition with you throughout your life. Outside of professional wrestling, you are involved in competitive softball, both as a player and as an umpire, and you have refereed basketball and even managed athletic recreation facilities. How has this love for sports and competition helped fuel you and your personal life and love of pro wrestling yeah it's helped me out in a lot of ways i'm i'm 36 and i've spent like the last 31 years involved with sports like you said anything from wrestling to baseball to basketball softball professional frisbee etc set up done some martial arts all that kind of stuff um it's kind of all snowballed together and, and one thing led to another uh, i was running a facility where we already had uh, basketball and softball about three years ago and I asked him what about uh, bringing in some wrestling there because I knew that as a child they had had wrestling in that community. I really wanted to bring it back. Uh, so I convinced them and uh, was able to do that. So when we started up the uh, Battle on the Border, I was actually running three different sports at the same complex, uh, baseball, softball, and pro wrestling. 
Well, uh, hey, Denim, this is Rick. Uh, you're you're kind of touching base there and how you kind of got that on the border rolling. Uh, we know you've been a lifelong pro wrestling fan. And in hell, you know, just like every other wrestling fan, we've all thought about, you know, what it'd be like to run the show. But the difference is you actually put your money where your mouth is and you created your own promotion. Uh, now we've got Battle on the Border. It's approaching three years of doing business. And I want to, you know, stay on the topic of in the very beginning. I know that you've had maybe some more traditional wrestling promoters in the area. Take take slight issue uh, with you running shows. And I'm sure, you know, in the beginning you had others from inside the business who might have been a little standoffish. Can you talk to, uh, you know, Talk about, you know, maybe more about how you got off the ground and, and dealt with early obstacles. Yeah, so that that, that seems to be um, a pretty consistent thing that I've noticed in wrestling is that, you know, there are some people that still live by, like, the territorial days and beliefs, and um, there's also some people that think maybe that uh, certain people shouldn't run promotions and stuff, so it can be hard to uh, get off the ground or whatever, but... I was fortunate, had a good group of people surrounding me, um, have a large family, had the venues, have uh, some friends involved with the sport, and basically able to network and, I, I think, prove ourselves. Uh, Battle on the Border, you know, our last, our eight shows, um, other than the first one, the last seven have had a minimum of 230 people every show, um, as, high, as high as 470. So, yeah, there were a lot of obstacles, though. Um, a lot of people not necessarily like me too much or they might think that, you know, too close to their territory and things like that. But, uh, over time we've built some, uh, respect, man. And I, I feel like right now, basically every promotion, uh, within a few hours of us, we have a decent relationship, but I think one of the main reasons it was hard to get off the ground was there are a lot of rum dumb or uh, low level promotions out there where people are using untrained wrestlers or, you're uh, not consistently paying their uh, talent or fulfilling their obligations. And, you know, those kind of uh, negative vibes tend to snowball and, and those guys go out of business. But the fact that we've been here for a while and we've never not paid anyone, we've never not had a big crowd, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I think we're, you know, I'm, I'm never going to be complacent or anything, but I definitely see the growth and improvement. I, I think we're getting a little bit more accepted. When you guys are putting together these Battle on the Border shows, you regularly present a card with a nice mix of well-known international stars as well as Midwest-based talents. And this has proven to be incredibly successful for you and, and Battle on the Border. How do you go about booking some of these more well-known talents and how have you been able to build such an incredible working relationship with other locally-based promotions? Yeah, uh, well, I think uh, as far as the other promotions, it's like... Uh, I say the golden rule, you treat people how you want to be treated. Uh, for instance, this year I've rented uh, rings from four different groups. I've rented the ring from War Wrestling. I've rented from uh, LSC, Legend of the Squared Circle. I've rented from Bobby Fulton's uh, World Professional Big Time Classic Wrestling. And this next show, we're renting a ring from uh, Future Great Wrestling. So basically, uh, like I said, treat everyone how you want to be treated. Uh, be kind, be fair, be honest, be responsible. And that part kind of takes care of itself. Um, I'd say as far as some of the uh, bigger names, uh, I generally go with people that I know on a personal level. It's people I can get in and not have to, uh, you know, pay any extreme amounts. Like I, I would rather bring in some people that I know, or the other way is like, uh, even a friend of a friend. So for instance, 
Um, I remember uh, a while back we had uh, Rob Conway work the show, and he told me, hey, what about bringing uh, Kevin Thorne next show? I talked to Kevin Thorne, and we made it happen. So things like that, basically dominoes falling into the right places uh, are pretty key. And then I think just uh, being a man of your word and always doing what you say. Speaking of some of the talent that you've been bringing in, you've brought in some incredibly unique personalities. In general, what types of accommodations do you find to be standard? And have you had anybody just have any crazy outlandish expectations? Uh, yeah, I, I haven't had any problems with anybody, uh, but um, generally, I mean, there, there's different ways of setting it up. I mean, if someone's coming from far enough away, they're going to have to get their flight and room and you have to take care of that stuff. If they're within a few hours, uh, a lot of people are going to commute. I mean, maybe you give them some gas money and such. Uh, so it really just depends where they'd be coming from. But I haven't had anybody, like, uh, upset or anything like that, fortunately. Have you had any crazy riders, people asking for nothing but bowls of brown M&Ms in their locker rooms? Well, yeah, I've, I've had a lot of people ask me for a bunch of ridiculous stuff that I didn't do. I, I, I'm more or less... I, I won't babysit that type of personality. When they give me them kind of demands, they're cut, they're gone, I move on. Uh, I, I deal with people that I find to be reasonable and practical, I get on the same wavelength with. If I can have a good conversation, they make sense, we make something happen. If they, if they seem outlandish like what you're talking about, then I'll let someone else deal with that. Now, Dedham, before we kind of move on and, and talk about the, the big happenings uh, that are just around the corner for Battle on the Border, you, you know, we have to ask the tough questions here. You know, everything isn't rainbows and roses in the land of the BOTB. Uh, we're just talking about unique personalities. Let's switch gears. Let's talk possibly about the biggest and craziest personality that you've had that you've had on board with you. Uh, of course, I'm talking about one, Mr. Johnny Knockout. He, he was a longtime champ, face of your company, a dear friend of yours. Uh, he recently shocked everyone when he vacates the title and, and abandons the promotion. Up until this point, everyone has been rather tight-lipped about the situation. Uh, but right here, right now in the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, Mr. Blevins, please, please give us the real story behind this uh, this surprising breakup. Yeah, so I, I was actually surprised by that. Uh, not not terribly surprised because I've always known that he was emotionally unstable. So, like, John, John is essentially, uh, he has the character of Johnny Knockout and the character of Change. And I would say that kind of carries over to his real life. He, he would be legitimately bipolar and all that kind of stuff. And uh, he never kind of, he never actually told me uh, why he quit and he still hasn't sent back our belt and stuff like that. He blocked my cell phone. He blocked my uh, Facebook. He blocked my family members. But my understanding is that uh, he thought I was trying to control him because I told him he couldn't say, uh, GDs and F bombs and certain uh, promotional situations like online interviews and stuff. He said that was trying to control him. And then uh, my personal belief, and obviously this is not verified with him, is that he knew he wasn't getting out of town with the belt and he couldn't live with himself not being a champion. So he would rather quit and be able to live in a fantasy world where he can always call himself the champion. But at this point, I just want the man to send my belt back and uh, move on from him. Well, I, I guess, to, you know, to kind of maybe bring up some listeners that are unfamiliar with the situation up to speed there, uh, Johnny Knockout, he's actually been on our platform before. Uh, Jargo, you actually spoke with him, correct? I did. It was uh, myself and Big Ray Hernandez, yeah. Yeah, they, they spoke with him over on the Impact Attack. Uh, Johnny Knockout, he's had a, a bit of rub with success. He's worked a couple dates with WWE, I guess, recently of note. 
He was the individual who was facing Braun Strowman. His line was something along. He loved the big, hairy, sweaty men. He likes Uh, big, sweaty men. Big, sweaty men. So he's he's had a a little bit of success there. So, uh, Mr. Blevins, you you really think, you know, maybe that's just all kind of uh, gone to his head? Well, it was something like that. Uh, My understanding is that, like, nowadays, John doesn't really wrestle outside of Florida except for Battle on the Border. So, uh, we had been the only ones that were like flying him around or the only place he was like holding the world championship and stuff like that. And I guess, uh, I guess it got to his head and made him think he was like better than people and stuff. And at this point, I mean, I haven't heard any love from him, from any of the fans, any friends, any family in the last few weeks. I mean, general thing is like, I, and, and as Rick said, he was a good friend of mine. I'm not going to deny that. He's probably a good guy 80, 90% of the time. But I'm not going to babysit someone that's, you know, acting like a psychopath 10 or 20% of the time. I'd rather not deal with it. Um, and I'm disappointed with him. I, I lost my respect for him when he quit. I don't respect anybody that can't fulfill their obligations. I don't respect anybody that quits over something as petty as what he quit over. Um, he quit with a three-day taped video. He recorded it on November 17th, released it on November 20th, didn't tell anybody. I mean, to me, that's just super childish. And... uh I'm, it's like I put it this way, guys. I view it as a blessing in disguise. He's a ticking time bomb. I'll let him blow up somewhere else. Well, let's move on to uh, a more positive note. Let, let, let's talk about Friday, December 21st. Hey, wait a minute. That's me and Carly's anniversary. Hanover, happy anniversary, baby. Friday, December 21st and Saturday, December 22nd, you prepare for the two biggest nights in the history of Battle on the Border Pro Wrestling. You have partnered with the local VFW halls to bring two big shows to Anniston and Harrison, Ohio. You are advertising marquee stars such as the Bullet Club's Chase Owens, MLW's Brian Pillman Jr., Adam Rose, a.k.a. Leo Kruger, and Rory McAllister. Also over the two-night battle on the border will crown a new men's champion, and you have some tremendous women's action scheduled as well. Overall, what can fans expect to experience at a battle on the border event? Uh, they can expect to see uh, top-level indie wrestling. They can expect to see passionate fans. They can expect to see a packed house. Um, they can expect to get a lot of bang for their buck. You can come to the shows as cheap as $10. Um, Chase Owens be there both nights. Uh, Adam Rose there one night. Leo Kruger's there one night. Kelman Jr.'s there both nights. Saturday night, Roy McAllister ends a four-year retirement, so that's a big deal. Uh, the women's championship's going to be on the line on Saturday with Jocelyn and uh, Shauna Reed. We've got Zoe Sky is uh, debuting for us on uh, the Friday show one of the biggest uh, women on the independent scene. Um, we've got a cage match for the belt on Friday night. Uh, it's a vacant belt, of course, and that's the heavy metal Viking Hooks, which is our Battle on the Borders resident hardcore guy against uh, Chase Owens from the Bullet Club. And depending who wins that match, whoever wins it has to defend their belt against their opponent the next night. So if Hooks wins, he defends in a hardcore match on Saturday night against a retiring Heather Owens, hardcore Heather, and... If uh, Chase Owens wins, he has to defend against Brian Tillman Jr. on Saturday night. So you have those four could all uh, walk out the champion. And then you also have a guy uh, by the name of Brandon Xavier, who currently holds the golden ticket, which is uh, essentially a money in the bank type situation. So he could potentially cash that in next week. So we have five different people that could walk out the champion. Uh, uh, Debbie, you're talking about, you know, we got this, this two night event and, and, while we're on it, you know, I want to thank you for letting me be a part of it. It's one of it's going to be one of the highlights of my wrestling year to be there. As you mentioned, all all of the great names, 
you went into some detail there talking about the ladies, uh, you know, Brandon Xavier, Hooks, the great local talent. Are there any any names? Right, absolutely. That, uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah so, so we've got we've got Shogun coming down from Detroit. We've got the Death Threat Army coming from Michigan. Um, Brian Christopher used to wrestle for us, and he brought uh, his number one protege, Bam Bam Bundy, with us uh, several times. Well, Bundy's going to be coming up from Memphis uh, to carry on Brian's legacy at Battle on the Border. And uh, Bundy is also bringing with him a new female competitor named Marie Storm. So we're going to have new blood from new areas uh, constantly infiltrated at Battle on the Border so we can uh, make sure we stay the best of the best. I was going to say, you know, it's going to be a a hell of a two-night holiday tour that we've got going on here. But as we look to the future, uh, beyond these December shows, I mean, there seems to be no stop in Battle on the Border Pro Wrestling. What goals or or plans can you share with us about the future of the promotion? Well, one big thing is we wanted to do more shows every year. So the first year into 2016, we did our inaugural show. And then uh, in 2017, we went up to doing the four major cornerstone events in Harrison. Now, 2018, we've done the four major cornerstone events in Harrison. Plus, we've added a new uh, event in Addison to make five. Well, we've already got the paperwork done for six events next year. So we'll at least have an additional event. It's going to continue to grow, We're gonna, but we're going to do it where we're uh, basically having the horse pull the cart instead of the other way around. So I'm letting it grow uh, organically. We're not trying to do a ton of shows or anything like that. We're trying to do everything we do successfully and then slowly add on to that. And so far, that's worked. Mr. Blevins, we want to thank you very much for joining us here on the show today. Please tell our listeners how they can keep up with you and all things Battle on the Border professional wrestling. All right. So if you check on Facebook, you can just search for my name, uh, Denim, like the jeans, D-E-N-I-M, Blevins. I don't think I can add any friends on there, but you're welcome to follow me and stay up to uh, stay up to date on everything. Also, if you search on Facebook for Battle on the Border Pro Wrestling, um, we've already got a couple thousand people following that page, uh, even though it just started in 2016. Follow that one. That'll have all the match cards, all the interviews, all that good stuff. Um, and on that page, we have links to our Twitter and Instagram and YouTube and all that. I don't actually know all those by heart. The number one is definitely the Facebook page. And once again, you'd have to Google Battle on the Border Pro Wrestling. And then if anyone wants to get the tickets directly from me, just give me a call. My number is 812-655-8365. Denim, thank you very much for joining us today. All right, guys. I appreciate it. O-V-E. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Some of Ohio's finest, Mr. Denim Blevins. Rick, I'm very, very jealous. This looks like it's going to be a really good show, and you get to be there personally in attendance, and you get to talk to all this great talent that you guys got coming in over there. This is going to be a really good show. Man, I'm excited. You know, you've got the, the internationally known superstars there, of course. Uh, uh, Chase Owens of the Bullet Club, Brian Pillman Jr., Adam Rose is going to be pulling double duty. We got Adam Rose one night, Leo Kruger the next night. That's going to be pretty entertaining. That fascinates me. And then Rory McAllister of the Highlanders. 
looking forward to all those great names. But, you know, I'm also looking forward to, you know, the local, the regional talent, some of the best in the area. Mega Championship Wrestling, they bring down a handful of talent. Uh, all of them are simply incredible. All the locals there in Southern Ohio, it, it is going to be an incredible two nights of action. And I'm looking forward to sharing my experiences. I'm going to have uh, some sound cuts, some interviews to bring back here to the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. I'm going to be doing some features over for uh, NDPW.com as well. And I'll be uh, I'll be live in and out on Facebook throughout the weekend. So make sure you, you know, you're know you catching up with me. I know we do the plugs at the end, but to follow me through this exciting weekend at The Real RBV across all social media platforms. And then as if we're not putting over Ohio enough... On Monday, Rick, we've got another huge interview that we're going to be conducting. Mr. Cody Hawk, one of the legendary trainers from there in Ohio, is going to be joining us Monday in the locker room. Yeah, Mr. Cody Hawk, uh, Mr. Ego, Mr. Ohio, in a sense, when it comes to professional wrestling, all of the great names uh, that that he has had a hand in and crafting towards just true greatness in the professional wrestling world. Some of the ones, you know, that are that are hot. Hot commodities today, Eli Drake, uh, Dean Ambrose, Sammy Callahan, just to name a few, but this goes way back. You know, he's been with HWA when they had deals with WCW and WWF. I mean, he's worked. Uh-oh, Huckleberry froze. Oh, there he is. He's back. Well, as, as I was sitting there, you know, some he was he was with the HWA back when they had deals with WCW and WWF. You know, some names like the, the Hardy Boys. Uh, D'Lo Brown, they all came through. He had a, a hand in helping, you know, kind of craft who they are. It's going to be interesting to pick his mind, just not about where he's been, but how he perceives, you know, this current era of professional wrestling. It's going to be a good one. I'm looking forward to that very much so. Uh, Rick, before we talk about ROH and uh, the WWE and the big shows that they've got coming up this week, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about NXT because we are gearing up. For TakeOver Phoenix, Royal Rumble Weekend, and things inside of NXT are heating up. Now, Huckleberry, I know that when it comes to NXT, you are a binge washer right before it comes to TakeOver. But uh, these next couple of weeks, you kind of need to watch them. And if you missed last night's show, oh, did you miss a very, very special treat. I think, you know what, I'm, I'm going to make the announcement, make it official right here. I, I'm no longer going to be one of the binge watchers. I'm going to get on board each and every week. I was locked in last night, not just locked into the original NXT. I stuck around for NXT UK and really enjoyed that show as well. But hey, you know, as you said, last night at an incredible show, but setting up some great weeks of NXT programming. And I really like how incredible is it that that they would present what's happening next week to kind of get you hooked and intrigued? Yeah, you know, I, I just tune in for, for one episode and I'm already like, okay, I can't miss the next one. I can't wait till the week, you know, the week before the rumble to get caught up on this. I, I want to be on board. I want to enjoy the ride as we get there. What a crazy concept. Yeah, I know. Just just absolutely blows your mind, right? So so here's what's coming up next week. We've got a couple of huge debuts, and then we have uh, a first ever for NXT. Number one, we're going to have Dominic Dijakovic 
otherwise known in Ring of Honor and the independent wrestling scene as Donovan Dijak. He is going to be debuting next week. Now, Rick, we have seen Donovan Dijak inside of NXT. He came out. He did a couple of jobs, but we have not seen Dominic Dijakovic. He has been repackaged now. This is going to be his official debut. I know that we had some listeners of the show that were very upset about Punishment Martinez going down to Matt Riddle last week. I expect Punishment is is going to be on the Dominic Dijakovic trail, but I'm really looking forward to finally seeing Dijak inside of NXT. If you people have not seen much of Donovan Dijak, do yourself a favor and look this guy up because he's big and he is incredibly athletic. Well, I say, you know, for those that buy into the, the Vince McMahon stereotypes, uh, this guy is the mold. He's everything that Vince is going to want in a modern era WWE superstar. But I, and I thought, you know, I'm looking forward to let's call, you know the re-debut here to see what this actual, what the real push is going to be, what they really have in store for him. But as you stated there, I thought the timing was very funny because he kind of rug pulled out from a little bit when he took that loss to Matt Riddle, which, hey, to me, and everyone's got, like, that squash here. I thought it was a good, you know, for the time they were given, it was a good little back and forth between two Monstery Factory graduates, you know? I, I, I dug it. And people were, you know, there are two things there where I can't believe they had him lose, and thankfully he got to keep his name. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if when he re-debuts, if he will still be known as Punishment Martinez or if WWE repackages him like they have here with Donovan Dijak. Well, and it's... I was quick. I was quick to go to the defense of NXT here. So, you know, this is a norm with them. And we just saw this with Dijak. You know, and with, when it comes to punishment, I, you know, I think that was more of, all right, let's see what you got, kid. We know you've worked TV with Ring of Honor, but how are you going to be able to handle the, the WWE atmosphere? So they want to get him out there for a couple minutes to see, you know, if he knows how to work that camera, where he knows how to position himself, handle, you know, the crowd reactions there at Full Sail. I mean, this was just a test run. It was an audition to see where he is at in his training you know, and how long it's going to take for them to, you know, for him to progress through the WWE system. I expect we might not see him until after WrestleMania yeah. because it's just so hard. It's so hard to get yourself inserted even now with NXT on that road to WrestleMania because, you know, it's it's for the, the very best of the best, the elite, the people that they want in that spotlight. In, in a sense, though, it's almost easier to, to wait it out. And then when you kind of get to that off, you know, their second season, if you will, Post, you know, WrestleMania weekend, after all those big shows, then you reboot everything. That's the best chance to come in. But both of these talents, uh, Dijak, Punishment, uh, these guys, they're cut from that same mold. Vince is going to love them. Hopefully they have big things in store for them. Talking about, though, cut from that mold, maybe not the height and all that, but the muscular build. And we're talking about debuting. I'm a little worried, though, for Lars coming in at this point. Yeah. I, I'm kind of right there with you, but you know, you bring up Lars and, and that's a great segue because you know, we, we've talked about forever that the size inside of NXT is shrinking. Look at some of these new guys. You got Dijak, you've got Keith Lee, you've got punishment, you've got Lars. Suddenly NXT is growing a little bit again. Well, hey, you know, this goes back to everyone needs to kind of just get off of that development thing. They're trying to really establish themselves as a, as their separate brand. And that's OK, because a lot of the things that we complain about with, you know, the red and the blue. The yellow is there 
to satisfy those wants from those fans. And instead of this, you know, constant, well, I can't wait till they get called up. I can't wait till they go to Raw or SmackDown. Let's stop with that. Let them stay with NXT. Let's grow that. Let's grow that brand because that brand is intended, as I said, to feed that consumer. Yep. And it's in all this delusional thought that once, you know, once Vince finally hangs it up, passes away, or, you know, whenever Stephanie and Triple H take the reins of this thing, that Raw and SmackDown are going to be NXT, that's not going to be the case. I mean, you might see some of those elements cross over, but it's still in large part going to be sports entertainment because those brands market to the masses, not that hardcore minority that you get with NXT. Yep, 100% agreed. Uh, we've got three ladies making their debuts next week, and then we've got one lady who's going to be saying her goodbyes for a little bit. Number one, we have Marina Shafir and Jessamyn Duke. That's right, half of the four horsewomen of MMA finally making their debut next week on NXT TV. They are going to be taking on Dakota Kai and Io Shirai, which I know uh, a lot of people are very, very excited about. This will be her official NXT TV debut. But Rick, we, we've gotten some bad news here dakota kai seems to have torn her acl in minneapolis the other day sounds like she is going to be out six to nine months this this is a really bad injury for uh, the leader of team kick what does this do to the future of the nxt women's division if not divisions because we've seen dakota kai featured very very highly over in nxt uk as well i know myself and the not so humble the andrew bello over at next level here at uh, hackerhameen.podbean.com we have both kind of thought that dakota kai should be the person to actually take this title from Shayna baszler that's how this entire thing started this entire program with Kyrie sane and eo shirai and dakota kai and baszler and the horsewomen I, it's been built masterfully but now we're not going to get that payoff of dakota kai being the one to take the title from Shayna baszler how much does this change the nxt women's division well, I was going to say, this This is a major blow. Uh, we're talking like chair shots. I mean, this is Mick Foley-esque chair shot to the head kind of shot that these divisions are taking. Uh, Kai, such a fun personality, great talent. Pretty much, you know, what you're looking for is that baby representative for any brand. Uh, she's very relatable. You know, people are, you know, they gravitate towards her. They invest in her. But, you know, this is professional wrestling. You have to move on. You have to find somebody to fill that role. And I wonder maybe if this presents an opportunity to, I guess, maybe not elevate, but to broaden the horizons of one Tony Storm. Oh, that's a very good one. See, I hadn't thought about Tony in this whole thing. My immediate thought was... Oh, well, finally, there's there's a clear babyface opening on the NXT women's roster. We can just elevate Candice LeRae instead of making her the gatekeeper jobber, right? We can actually do something with Candice. Oh, yeah, that's right. They kind of she's she's kind of in tweenerville. We're not really sure what the hell's going on with Candice right now. Well, you know, we've got all this talk of the, the tag division. Uh, this women's tag division that it's pretty obvious that we're going to get out at some point. It's just a matter of them pulling the trigger. I think this that'll probably be like a road to WrestleMania sort of deal. So that gives you a little bit of time. I, I tell you what I really like. If you could elevate Storm here a little bit, I, that's I said not elevate, but you know, just introduce her to you know that wider audience. 
get her involved a little bit more. I would love to see once you get into that tag tournament or however they're going to settle that thing, team up Candice LeRae and Tony Storm. Oh, I think you got lightning in a bottle team. right there. Yeah. Uh, you talk, you talk about a great divide. You want to get, you want to get some energy going. You put the finals of that women's tag tournament with uh, Sasha and Bailey versus Candice and Storm. Uh, you got. I, I dare to say you have every fan in WWE universe somewhat invested interest in that match. Yeah, and you cover basically all the brands because you have NXT represented, NXT UK, and the main roster. I like it, Huckleberry. I think that's a great pitch. Let's talk about uh, Candice's husband, Johnny Gargano. He's found himself in a little bit of a situation as he has been manipulated by Tommy Entertainment, of course, the NXT world heavyweight champion Tommaso Ciampa he convinced Johnny Gargano and Aleister Black to fight in a cage next week on NXT TV this is going to be the first cage match in NXT TV history we did have one at a takeover that happened inside a full sale but they're saying this is the first ever so Huckleberry I'm looking forward to this I mean these are two of my favorite pro wrestlers on the face of the planet you're going to lock them in a steel cage what could possibly go wrong well, I'm going back to that first ever. They're just saying this is the first ever for the weekly programming, correct? Right. Yeah. So they're they're all right. It's one of those things you got you got to watch you got to watch their their marketing, how they're presenting that thing. You got to watch some buzzwords in there. Uh, but you know this this segment here, I wasn't really feeling the in ring part of this thing. I thought Black uh, he still has a little trouble, you know, when he's getting a little long winded connecting. It, it seems like. Uh, but you know what? The overall. The whole point of the thing is to set up this cage match. That's exciting. You know, those two are going to go there. At the end, you might have individuals, you know, like your Ben Hamid's, those old school that, that understand the, the psychology in and out, picking that thing apart. But the people that just like uh, a car crash, they're probably going to love this thing. I'll probably be somewhere in the middle on it, be more interested in actually what is the story than about the, the violence and the action going on in the ring. But I, hey, you know what I really I enjoyed? Uh, Gargano's promo out in the parking lot. The selfie promo. Uh, we, we, we ragged on the selfie promo for months, but this is how you use it and use it correctly, where it doesn't feel like, you know, oh, we've got a camera guy holding up an iPhone so that you can shoot a selfie promo and you have both usage of both of your arms for some reason, which is incredibly strange. But Johnny Gargano is shooting these things himself at the same location where he attacked Alistair Black. I think it's really, really good. It's raw, you know, it, it, and it's believable. And Johnny Gargano has himself absolutely convinced that he did absolutely nothing wrong. He's just trying to fulfill this mission, which is to get the championship away from Tommaso Ciampa. I think you know what, man, you hit it right on the mark right there. There are certain situations where this promo, it works and it works beautifully. And this is one of those, you know, he's out by himself. He just wants to get these thoughts. He wants to get them out there for, for the NXT universe. And it's just a random thing. You know, he's just strolling through the parking lot. He's outside the arena and it's, and I've heard people say it, it works for NXT because they're more of that rugged ECW. You know, it could also work. On the red and the blue, you know, things Hey, going back, Kurt Angle, when he did one in the gym, getting ready for uh, the best in the world. Yep. That was legit. That was, was one great. of the better promos. Hey, because you know what? I'm in here getting getting my workout on. I am getting ready for this thing. I am feeling my very best, man. Look at me right now. I got to show the world. I got to let the world know that I'm ready to be the best in the world. 
that works there. I think well, we also know. we also just saw it on uh, ROH Pinnacle episode three with Bully Ray sitting in the gym talking to Flip Gordon about how he's not going to quit. Like you could see Bully Ray sitting down in the gym and setting his phone up. And because, you know, there's camera cuts. Oh, no, he didn't really like what he said there. It was raw. It felt real. It didn't feel so incredibly overproduced. Well, I think, it, you know, using those tactics there, producing segments in that fashion, I think that would do wonders for like Dean Ambrose right now. Absolutely. So sitting in a doctor's office, Ambrose wants to be left left the hell alone. He hates everybody right now. He's he the guy who rock. started the selfie promo in the WWE. The Shield started the damn thing. Yeah, he should be sitting alone. We have no idea where he's at at any given time. He could be in the arena. He could be at home in Vegas. He could be back in Cincinnati. You don't know where the hell he's at. It would work for him. But no, like you said, we got these four things where there's obviously someone else holding it or, you know, they're flashing the, the, the for words the up challenge. on the screen. Yes. Which is the absolute worst, worst in the world. But yeah, it works. And, and I, I think that might have been what set off, you know, the Gargano promo here. But I really like this message. You know, I'm not. I like the way he even went at black. Like, you know what? It really isn't anything personal. You're just in the wrong spot at the wrong time. And you happen to continue to be in the wrong spot at the wrong time. And nothing's going to stop me until I write the correct finish to this story. The other thing that I liked was you got the complete opposite of that with the Alistair Black promo where he's in the smoky room. Kind of reminded me of the Finn Balor demon promo that he cut on Seth Rollins before we first saw the demon when he won the Universal Championship. It was obviously very produced. It was very well put together. And they're somehow in Alistair Black losing that title. They're adding the mystique back into the character. I'm just wondering if he loses to Tommaso Ciampa, doesn't that clearly take all of that away again? I would, I would assume so. I mean, I, I feel like if, if Alistair Black loses to Tommaso Ciampa, that's got to be it for him in NXT. What the, the scary part of that is, though, is I, I don't think he's ready for that transition. That's what I'm afraid of. No, but you know, you, we go back. We, we thought that too after Gargano and Ciampa kind of wrapped up their thing. You know, where are they going to go here? It seemed like they, they pushed themselves into a dead end and they were able to to recreate those personas. You know, with Gargano, they took Ciampa to that next level. You, you know, maybe they got something in store for Black. I just don't think he is absolutely, you know, he's actually ready to make that move. Not that he, let me rephrase that. Not that he's not ready. I don't think the red and the blue are ready. Yeah, exactly. I have no faith in them getting Alistair Black right on the main roster when I look at what they've done with Andrade and, Cien, and Almas. And again, it goes then it, it goes back to the situation we were just talking about, uh, the timing of a potential move like that into WrestleMania season. And that's the tightest season to try to make any kind of move for the red and blue because you got all you got all the returning names. You know, they're putting all the focus on just a handful of marquee things. He would easily get lost. If, if their intent is, is to move him up, I'd rather he just disappear until the night after. Rather than moving guys up, I'm all in favor. No, 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 let's, no, no, let's, we got we to scold ourselves. They're not moving up if they're just shifting brands. Okay, well, speaking of shifting brands, rather than leaving NXT... Let's talk about a guy who made his return to NXT. You had to know this was going to be on the run, Huckleberry. Look, everyone. 
That's right. Look, everyone, it's Tyler. Tyler Breeze making his grand return, his homecoming back to Full Sail University on NXT TV last night, answering the open challenge from the human cheat code. The one and only Ricochet, Huckleberry, this was fantastic. In a matter of about 10 minutes, Tyler Breeze reminded me why he is my favorite professional wrestler on the face of the freaking planet. Tyler Breeze is so freaking good if they would just let him work. Uh, and it was This was a uh, an early Christmas gift for you. Oh, man. I was like a little kid on Christmas yesterday morning. I had, like, graphics made up. And, oh, man. I was so excited. I could barely sleep yesterday. I was so excited to see this match. And I don't think I've ever been this excited to see a wrestling match where I know my favorite professional wrestler is going to lose. Well, I think it just goes back to a case. You know, people are always, well, they're not... They're not booking or pushing an individual right. Well, it's not about what it's, you know, it's not what professional wrestling is exactly about. It takes all kinds of personas and talents to fill out the card. And in this case, yeah, Ricochet is one of the top dogs in NXT. So you need the best talent to help him shine. And they went, they went back to a classic. They went back to an absolute classic in NXT. They brought Breeze over. Hey, the only thing I could say, if I'm Tyler, I am down there. I am begging Uncle Paul, please don't, please don't send me back. Please let just me let me stay, stay here. Let me stay a little bit longer. Man, it was great. Full sale just erupted when Tyler came out. Immediately, you start getting a this is gorgeous chant. I mean, it, 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 it's a ridiculous, the difference between Tyler Breeze inside of an NXT context where people have actually gotten to see him work as a serious character, and this was very much serious Tyler Breeze, versus the presentation that we have gotten between Monday Night Raw and Tuesday Night SmackDown, where he's a glorified jobber who they send out there to do nothing but comedy spots. It was so nice to see serious Prince Pretty Tyler Breeze again. You know what I really would like to see? We've got uh, Fandango is, is close to returning. Yes, I heard that he is training at the Performance Center for his return. He is very close to returning. It wouldn't surprise me if he is a quote-unquote surprise entrant in the Rumble. You know what I'd, I'd really like to see? Uh, both of those guys return to NXT uh, and help shake up that tag division a little bit. I think they could, they could use those two's personas and not knocking their tag division, because hey, I think it's it's deep with talent, but not a lot of it is, is recognizable right now. It doesn't really have that star power. And those guys would be a, a much needed boost there to help to help some of those younger teams really get recognized. I agree, but I'm going to put in a request. I don't want the fashion police. I want serious Tyler Breeze and I want Johnny Curtis. Let's drop the whole damn Fandango thing. Let's just go with Johnny Curtis, which is how he was originally presented inside of NXT. Let's turn these guys heel and say, you know what? We're, we're, we're tired of all the, the, the dancing and the stupidity. It's time to get serious and start chasing championships. And we're starting in NXT. Yeah, I really wouldn't mind it. even getting a little uh, a faction going there. You know, you're, we're talking about Johnny Curtis's if we can somehow get Ryder involved, I think he, he would benefit greatly from being I paired up all know, on, on, on any brand. I'd love to see those guys kind of buckle down, get serious and start pushing forward a little bit. You know, just 
hey, we, we know that you guys can do the comedy stuff. Now, now go out there and shine. You got three tremendous talents inside the ring. We need some star power. Not even, you know, they ain't got to be the top stars, but we need, we need some variety. And dear WWE, push Tyler Breeze. Because all he does is every time he's on television, he makes other people look good and he gets himself over. Even when you stick him with a stupid ass gimmick like the Fashion Files, him and Dango got it over. He goes back to NXT, that place comes unglued because they've actually seen what Prince Pretty is capable of. It's all the presentation, man. It's all the freaking presentation. Pisses me off. So Huckleberry, let's go ahead. Let's, uh, let's throw it over to our break. And uh, we'll come back and we're going to talk some Ring of Honor final battle as well as WWE TLC, otherwise known as we dubbed it last year, Total Lack of Creative. What was it that you called it earlier? You called it something here a couple of weeks ago and I was like, oh yeah, damn, that's really good. But I don't remember what it was now. Three Loose Coochies. We'll be right back. Come gather around people wherever you roam And admit that the waters around you have grown And accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone If your time to you is worth saving Then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone For the times they are a-changing Writers and critics who prophesize with your pen And keep your eyes wide, the chance won't come again And don't speak too soon, for the wheel's still in spin And there's no telling who that it's naming Cause the loser now will be later to win For the times they are a-changing Senators, congressmen, please heed the call Don't stand in the doorway, don't lock up the hall For he that gets hurt will be he who has stalled The battle outside raging Will soon shake your windows and rattle your walls For the times they are a-changing Mothers and fathers throughout the land And don't criticize what you can't understand Your sons and your daughters are beyond your command Your old road is rapidly aging Please get out of the new one if you can't lend your hand For the times they are a-changing It is drawn, the curse it is cast 
This slow one now will later be fast as the present now will later be past. The order is rapidly fading, and the first one now will later be last for the times they are changing. All right, Huckleberry, so we're back for segment two. Yeah, Bob Dylan. That's the kind of mood that I'm in here lately. Bob Dylan, the times, they are a-changing. Big fan of that song from one of my favorite movies, Watchmen. Um, Huckleberry, let's let's talk about uh, Ring of Honor. They've got Final Battle coming up live this Friday, 7 p.m. Er, 7 p.m. Central Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, for those of you who can't tell the difference. Live on Honor Club, visit ROHWrestling.com for information on how you can become a member. And then, Huckleberry, we're going to try. We're going to try. I completely reformatted my computer for this. We are going to try once again to go live at twitch.tv backslash hitting the marks for a live final battle review immediately after final battle. We're going to try Huckleberry. I don't know what's going on with our uh, Twitch stream here as of late, but uh, we are, we're going through the uh, precautions to hopefully be live Friday night. Hey, I, I got faith it's going to work out. This this has been a hot week for us. Everything is, is coming up, hitting the marks for us. So I think it's going to work out. I think we're going to have a great show. You know, Final Battle is going to be a great show. We're going to have an even better time talking about the fallout because, hey, there's a lot There's a lot on the line. The stakes are high. It's just not, you know, what's happening in the promotion, but what it means for the world of professional wrestling going forward. We're going to, you know, we could potentially, you know, find out the, the direction for the elite. All their members. What's going on with SCU? Cre- creative direction for Ring of Honor. Those that we know are locked down. You know, what do they have in store? Heading, you know, because right, this is going to lay a lot of the, the groundwork for the big MSG show. Yeah, we've we've been talking about it for six months that these contracts were expiring. Come the end of December, here it comes. This is the beginning, and uh, this is going to take us all the way through New Year's Dash and Wrestle Kingdom over in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So, Huckleberry, let's go ahead. Let's take a look at the card. Like we said, they moved the start time, so this is actually going to start an hour earlier than it normally would, and they have a stacked card. I went through and I tried to put this thing together in what I think may be the order of matches. We'll see how I how I do and how things work out. Let's start things off with Kenny King taking on Eli Isom. That's right. Eli Isom. He's a winner of the Future of Honor, and that's what's getting him this shot here at Kenny King. Kenny King, of course, was just in a championship match, and here it seems as though he's going to be in the curtain jerker role. Huckleberry, where, where do you see Kenny King kind of inside of the landscape of Ring of Honor coming out of this show? Because he's going to be one of these guys that we're going to have to rely on if all this talent is leaving. Well, I, I really love you know, how the management of Kenny King here, as you mentioned there, you know, last time we seen him really in anything prominent was it obviously a, a championship bout against Jay Lethal. Tremendous outing between those two really enjoyed that match. And I like the positioning there because what we've talked about with, with Kenny King here for a while is all the talent in the world. He's got the look, everything that you, the charisma, everything that you, if you're writing a resume, for a superstar professional wrestling, he's got it, but there is that disconnect. Something just doesn't click with him. I think they're finally getting to that with what we've seen from him uh, challenging Jay Lethal. So he's we kind of got that rub where now people are able to connect a little bit more with him. So now you're positioning back down lower in that card. He could work. I think he could work all over 
uh, obviously is this a position this probably is going to open and i think it's going to get people excited coming out of the gate this is a, a match that's going to fire you up the other thing that i love about this is what happens when you lose a match to the world heavyweight champion you go to the back of the line and you've got to work your way back up to a championship match. And I love that Ring of Honor does that. You go from the main event to the curtain jerker because it's time to earn your keep. Love it. Let's exactly. talk Let's talk about the uh, Women of Honor Championship. Rick, this match is going to be a little bit different than I thought it was. Uh, Mr. Ian Riccoboni mentioned this, and I was like, oh, wait, really? I thought this was just going to be a fatal four-way. That is not the case. This is going to be a four corners survival match, which means that it's going to be elimination. So it's going to start off with four and then it'll go to a triple threat and then it'll end up one on one. It's going to be your women of honor, the first and only champion, Sumi Sakai, in her biggest test defending against Madison Rain and Karen Q returning from the Mae Young Classic and also friend of the show, Miss Kelly Klein. Rick, I'm going to go out on a bold prediction here, and I am going to say Sumi Sakai is going to be the first person eliminated in this match, and you will have a triple threat situation to determine the brand new Women of Honor champion. I think we want to get Sumi out of there right away and make it well known. We are going to have a new champion. You know what? I I was going going to throw my bet down. When he kicked it over to me, I was going to say that she will not be in the final two, but you're going to up to Annie and she won't even, she's going to be the first eliminated here. First one out. Uh, when you look at how they have kind of built this program, Madison Rain has an issue with Sumi. Karen Q has an issue with Sumi. Kelly Klein clearly has an issue with Sumi. I think it's going to be all three of these women are going to gang up on the champion, eliminate her right away, and then see where the cards may fall. Uh, I like it. I, I was going to have her going out second, but I, I like where you're going here. I think it really makes a statement. Uh, would you agree then that the next individual eliminated would be Karen, which will leave us with a Madison Kelly final? That's exactly where I would go with it. it, it and I, I like what you're saying there. You know, Sumi doesn't really need it. And it's easy to, you know, if she goes out first, you can insert her back as a challenger. Like, wait, what a fluke, you know, and let's see what she can do. Well, oh, yeah, clearly it, it took three women to take Sumi out. Right. So she, she's gone after a tremendous reign. It makes sense to give Karen Q a little more time in there. They seem really hot on elevating her uh, with all of the tremendous talent they lost. That they, they, need, they need to, you know, bolster that bullpen that they've gotten women of honor, give her more time, let her shine early in this match before being eliminated and then get down to, to Madison versus Kelly to crown the, the new champion, which clearly we have seen issues between Kelly Klein and Madison rain. It furthers that program sets up future matches and Huckleberry. We, we called it during her first match for the women of honor championship. I'm going with a pretty badass once again. Miss Kelly Klein, I'm predicting to become your new Women of Honor world champion. I'm going to be rooting for Kelly. That is my pick. I want to see her finally carry this division, see if she can take it to the next level. But I do have a fear because, you know, we've seen some great, some great news outlets, uh, sites that we're partners with, thegorillaposition.com. Last word on pro wrestling where, you know, some of their featured writers, you know, they've kind of looked at, at Women of Honor is a bit of a disappointment to this so far in its run. 
there is the possibility if you were Ring of Honor, you're looking at this thing, you know, going back what we thought they were going to put this thing on Dashwood to give it, you know, just that that PR facelift, you know, a familiar name that, you know, wrestling fans from, you know, if, if you're really into Ring of Honor, if you're an indie fan or just, you know, wrestling fans in general, they're going to be more familiar with Madison. They might they might go that route. Well, you have to think that let's assume that Sumi loses the championship here. You have to assume that at 17th anniversary, she is going to get her singles rematch. Then you have your G1 Supercard show. So it's really, I have to assume that Neil Dashwood will be back in action at that point. So I have to assume that she will become the number one contender for the Women of Honor Championship. Who do you think is the best matchup against Neil Dashwood going into the Garden? Because for me, it's clearly Kelly Klein as a monster heel champion taking on babyface to neil dashwood well i'm actually i'm with you i was just presenting you know if you're looking at this thing from a marketing what can bring eyes to the women of honor product i'm with you 100 i think you know kelly the, the big badass champ the monster heel with the title having the babies in madison and dashwood chase her throughout the beginning of 2019 leading into Madison square i mean they could obviously they could go the triple threat i'm more of a traditionalist i like the one-on-one so, you know, at that point, decide which is hotter, the hotter choice between those two to go challenge Kelly, who, who is a staple. She's one of the, you know, the founders of this division. Uh, I'd really love to see that payoff for her. And I think overall, it's just better storytelling to have the pretty badass uh, as that big dominant, that bully heel, you know, whatever it takes to hold on to that thing, just, you know, continually to undercut the babies who are on that hot chase. Next up, I've got Matt Taven, your Kingdom of Honor World Heavyweight Champion, taking on the former Ring of Honor World Champion Dalton Castle. Of course, Matt Taven claiming that he is the real world champion because he pinned Dalton Castle when Dalton was holding the gold. Rick, I have this match very early on this show just because you know they're going to disrespect the kingdom and put this match early on the show because Ring of Honor is not recognizing this as a legit world heavyweight championship. It's blatantly disrespectful what they're doing here to Matt Taven. You know, something came to me. I like I, I like the thought that this thing's going to go early, and maybe you know it plays yes into hey, you're we're putting you down the card here. But I think you know more so it's to kind of get Taven out of sight, out of mind as the show progresses. Exactly. As I as I started thinking though, you know we've got the stipulation. Not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but we got the stipulation of Cody wins. He is leaving with the Ring of Honor Championship. Yes, sir. Now, let's say something happens, you know, uh, the kingdom persuades the finish of that match. Cody leaves with the belt that only leaves one champion in the company. Yes, I like it. I like it a lot. Although I, I much more so think that we're going to go towards a title unification match. Um, I guess my question is, where does that match happen? Would that match happen in the garden or would you do that match at 17th anniversary? And a lot of that goes down to what working relationships, what what contracts do you have sealed away? Who is going to be available for MSG? You know, looking so many months ahead right now, that's that's a hard guess. That's part of the reason Final Battle is such an interesting show. Let's talk about the Ring of Honor World TV Championship. Your current champion, Jeff Cobb. You know, William Alessio was trying to tell me yesterday on Facebook 
that Jeff Cobb and the monster Matanza Cueto are somehow related? Ridiculous. Mm. I don't buy that whatsoever. It's clear that Jeff Cobb is not Mexican. Jeez. He doesn't look like a Cueto at all. Jeff Cobb, your current ROH TV champion, going to be taking on the hangman. Adam Page and Huckleberry, we know this very well could be the last time that we see the Hangman as well inside of Ring of Honor. I'm going with Jeff Cobb here, but this could be your first swerve of the night. I'd say, you know, that that's really going to spark some interest if we see Hangman go over here. I'm expecting Cobb, you know, he just got that championship, as, as we said, farewell to Punishment, who obviously went on to NXT. Uh, kind of fitting here that we could be saying farewell to Page. I agree with what you got this lined up, but I think this will be the first of those questionable individuals, especially within the elite, that could be exiting Ring of Honor. I fully expect Paige to, to take the loss here, but I'm very interested in, one, the, the crowd reaction, but two, more so, his reaction. Very true. Yeah, the body language going into and coming out of this match are going to be absolutely fascinating. Well, I, I wonder, if, will Paige show any emotion or will he know to keep that under wraps because we've got Marty, the Bucks, and Cody still coming up? See if he takes a moment to kind of soak things in or if it's all business, Adam Page. Uh, this next match I, I have positioned a little bit later on the card than I think people might think that it should be. But Rick, if there's any such thing as a come down match, I'm afraid that this is going to be it. And that's only because this is going to be a technical masterpiece. And I'm not exactly sure how the Ring of Honor faithful are going to react to this. It's going to be the octopus, Jonathan Gresham, taking on Zack Sabre Jr. This basically a match to see who is the best technical wrestler in the world. Rick, I'm just really hoping they give these guys time. Yeah, I agree with you. You know what? What's kind of amazing is, as you were talking about, you know, it might be the styles between these two, not that over the top crash style that you know. If if you don't have a story that's going to get people energized, but hey, let's go back to it. If this really had a story, and I think I think the reason this becomes a down match is because you've got so many great stories throughout this show. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. And I, I just have this feeling they're going to kind of put this match in the middle so everybody can relax a little bit. And it's not that I don't think the Ring of Honor fans are going to be invested in the match. It's just not going to be the kind of match where you're hooting and you're hollering and you're standing up and you're cheering constantly. It's going to be sit down and enjoy what these two guys are going to put out because it's going to be incredible. Even if they only give them like eight minutes, it'll be it might be the best eight minutes on this card. Well, I was going to say, now, the finish here, I think it'd be pretty interesting. I'm expecting, this is going to, we're talking about, you know, the potential of losing so many big names. That they've been they've been strong behind Gresham. You know, they put him in some big spots to see what he can do. Multiple matches with the champ and Jay Lethal. I think this was probably a big statement win for him and for Ring of Honor saying, all right, we are fully ready to move forward here with the Octopus. Of course, we also know that Zack Sabre Jr. is being advertised for the TV taping immediately following Final Battle. So maybe they give Zack a big win here and try to push him a little bit while he's spending some time in the States as well. Let's talk about Bully Ray and Flip Gordon. Of course, our, our good friend Ian Riccoboni, very interested in this match. 
Rick, we talked a little bit about Pinnacle earlier in the show. I know you had a chance to check out episode three, Bully Ray knocking that thing out of the park. You know, people tell me about these 15 minute interview segments on Monday Night Raw and, oh, we have to have them because, you know, we have to have segments in order for the show to work. This thing's all of about seven minutes long. It's about half of the length of an opening promo on Monday Night Raw or Tuesday Night SmackDown. And Bully Ray just knocked this thing out of the park. Uh, I, I'm going to go as far to say in the seven minutes of of this promo here did did more for this match than anything any promo in WWE right now. I, I'm talking anything, anything even with the hot ladies triple threat promo wise. This thing, like you said, hit it out of the park. He hit every mark on this damn thing. This is how you effectively employ a, a promo into a, into a feud. What in the world is going to happen in this match? Because I genuinely do not see either one of these guys saying I quit. And that's going to be the intriguing part here. I uh, really don't think Bully would put him over. Do you really want to put Bully over? Or, or put Flip Gordon over Bully Ray. I mean, we have all this talent leaving, right? The easiest thing in the world to do is to elevate Bully to a main event level and, and do a Bully Ray versus Jay Lethal program. I mean, Jay Lethal is the indie darling of all indie darlings. He's been doing it for 15 years. He's been an indie darling. He's, he's the cornerstone of Ring of Honor. You couldn't see Bully Ray challenging Jay Lethal in the immediate future for the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship. And if so, do you really want Bully Ray saying, I quit to Flip Gordon? I don't yeah, I don't necessarily see him in that position going to to challenge for the Ring of Honor championship, especially as you know, we've been talking so much, turning turning the calendar and looking towards MSG. I don't even think it's a good short term short term filler program for him. Could you rebuild Bully Ray between now and then if you put Flip Gordon over? Because I mean, if you're gonna do the Matt Taven match and what was the other match we were talking about? Um Shoot, there was another one. Well, we throwing out maybe. Oh, Jamal the Marty Skrull match. Right. All right. You got Skrull in there who is a contender. Um, Flip has already earned an opportunity. Remember, he won the, oh, the, the Sea of, of Honor. Honor. Sea of Honor tournament. You, to me, the, you don't need to rebuild Bully. I don't think he takes a hit here because let's really look at who he is. He is a foul mouth. Just is, it's right there. He's a bully. He's an asshole. He's a foul mouth asshole bully. He could twist this thing in any direction that he wants and just kind of and no sell it afterwards uh, and then continue on. I think, you know, we've had such a great build where he's been picking on these guys and flip has become the, the ambassador, the true ambassador for, you know, that style, that little guy trying to make a name for himself. And he's got the, the great background where he can be, you know, a real hero. I think this is the time final battle. This is what we're building towards. Do you think the fans are going to be with flip Gordon? Keep in mind this show is at the Hammerstein Ballroom. Is this going to be a Bully Ray friendly crowd? Is this crowd going to be with Flip Gordon? Can you put Flip Gordon over Bully Ray in an I Quit match at the Hammerstein Ballroom? I think they've really done enough to get this crowd behind them. I mean, Flip represents their style. He represents the Ring of Honor audience. The bully is everything that they don't want. Yeah, but this is the Hammerstein Ballroom. You know, as soon as Bully I, Ray comes think, out, it's going to be EC Dub. 
you're going to get some of those. I trust in Bully as a worker to get his heat back on him. I 100% believe that he, you know, you're initially you're going to have that because of nostalgia and people just, you know, anything they get out chanting, it's going to be about that moment. He's going to he's going to flip that switch real quick. And I think up to this point, they have done a tremendous job of, of really getting honest sympathy on flip. Now, if you if you go back in and watch that beating he took with that kendo stick, you really start to feel when you see the welts forming, the cuts. You ever been hit with one of those things? No, thank God. It fucking hurts. I bet. It fucking hurts. You could feel for him. People are, are rooting for him. Hey, you know, going to say, I love what Boy Ray's been doing. I love seeing the little guys get beat up. But if, if you got if you got anything inside you, you got a heart, you start rooting for him. You're rooting for Flip here. They, they have done a tremendous job putting this, putting this program together. All right. Let's talk about uh, another match that's that's this is one of those. What happens going forward? Christopher Daniels, the fallen angel, takes on the villain Marty Skrull. Skrull's number one contendership on the line. And then, of course, we know the situation with Christopher Daniels and what Joe Koff told them back, what was that, January? Maybe it was December of last year. Um, I don't know what's going to happen here, Huckleberry. I don't know. Um, I, I think Marty's an idiot, though. Because why would Marty put his number one contendership on the line against Christopher Daniels? That's the only question that I have going into this match is why, Marty? Why would you do that? Yeah, you know, a little bit uh, dropping the ball with it on the logic for bringing water. Yeah. You know, and, and this is one of those things that, you know, people are like, oh, well, you never say anything bad about Ring of Honor. Here it is. Why would Marty Skrull do that? Yeah, I think it's a case of you know, we really need something. We need a little extra spice on this thing. And they didn't really think it through. They were hoping people really wouldn't break it down. It makes it makes no sense at all. And and this is what it is from the flip. How long Marty's still locked up with them for quite a while, right? Uh, Marty is extended. My understanding is Marty is at least extended with Ring of Honor through the Supercard show. All right, so he so he could be going in. That's another big, you know, big player. That you know, if you get everyone else leaving, you're really going to be relying on Marty to bring in, you know, that that Bullet Club fame for you. Well, and I think they I think they've really been playing into that on being the elite. You keep seeing Marty inviting everybody to his uh, New Year's Day party. And everybody else keeps saying, I don't know, Marty. I don't know what's happening on January 1st. I don't know what's going on. Well, Marty knows. Marty ain't got nothing going on. It's just life is normal for Marty. And I think that's kind of where the storyline is is really being built around. Um, if Christopher Daniels loses this match, is that the end of Christopher Daniels in Ring of Honor? I was just going to ask you, you know, the question I was going to throw at you, what do you see for Daniels? I can see him losing this and still having some future. Cause you know what I want? Bring me back some curry, man. Ooh, I would like to see curry, man. That would be great. Give me, give me curry, man, for a little bit until maybe, uh, you know, Scorpio and, and Kaz can fight, you know, earn CDs way back into the company or something like that. Here's another uh, I, possibility. I always, I always love that old gimmick. I was watching it yesterday. With uh, with Dusty and and Magnum TA, where it's just obvious, you know, it's an old gimmick they use in the territories all the time. Someone loses a loser, leaves the, t- the territory, whatever, and they and 
oh, a masked man shows up two weeks later. And it's, you know, it's so obvious. That's a lost, a lost gimmick that I I really love. I think the last time that we saw that done very well was with Steve Carino when he was uh, Mr. Wrestling on commentary underneath the hood. That was fun stuff. Um, How about this one? Uh, Here's a swerve for you, Rick. So Christopher Daniels gets fired. And then Joe Coff hires Christopher Daniels to be the new enforcer of Ring of Honor. We're looking for that general manager figure. We're looking for that authority figure. Of course, we haven't had one since Bully Ray. Could you see Christopher Daniels? Could you see CD in that kind of role? Well, let me ask you. I mean, you're, you are even singing the praises of the hiring of one Mr. Kevin Eck. Absolutely. Uh, who is going to help kind of craft this new direction here for Ring of Honor as we head into 2019. Do you think that was something, something that he would employ? Well, it's an interesting I mean, possibility. I mean, I'm almost at the point, you know, when you throw out, you know, terms like authority figure or we need someone calling the shots, it's, I got such a sour taste in my mouth from it. Uh, you know, from seeing it everywhere else. And I, I, it's one of the things I really like about Ring of Honor is you don't have that, that presence there, a constant presence kind of dictating every little move. You know, I, I kind of like, you know, when Kingdom's out there talking about conspiracy, it's not that it's, they don't have, you know, an individual to point that finger at every week. It's just this grand within Sinclair, the entire company, every, everything is just on their shoulders is against them. To me, if that's a refreshing aspect of Ring of Honor. For me, I would like to see an authority figure inside of Ring of Honor, but I would like to see them much more William Regal than anything else to where when there is a need for an authority figure, when you need somebody for a contract signing, when you need somebody to make a big decision, when you need somebody to say, we can't be having two ring of honor world championships running around inside of the same company. We have to unify these titles. I think it helps to have somebody gearing the ship regardless of how much they're on television. You could put Christopher Daniels in that enforcer role and only have him on television once every six weeks. And that would be fine for me. As long as you, as long as you have the knowledge that somebody is running the show. I think also with that too, you'd have to involve him with new Japan. I think we need these promotions to, uh, to, to intertwine much more as we head towards super show. I, I could see him being an individual to, uh, you know, to bridge that gap, but then, you know, how, what would his interaction be with uh, SCU at that point too? Well, I think that becomes one of the intriguing possibilities, doesn't it? On, and then on the other side as well, SCU drops these tag championships. Uh, do you, do you hire Kaz and Daniels? That's also interesting because Scorpio finds himself in the same kind of situation that Marty does, where his contract is not up at the same time as everybody else's. And I think that's another unique dynamic we could look at. If you've got Daniels and Kaz kind of disappearing for a little bit, Scorpio's left all on his own. you got the elite leaving. Marty's left all on his own. Do those two kind of confide to each other? We need each other's backs. Or is there a program between those two? And the other interesting part here is a gentleman by the name of Brody King. 
Brody King has been signed to Ring of Honor. And here just a couple of weeks ago, Rick, we saw that Brody King has officially joined Villain Enterprises. It seems as though uh, Marty is off and he, he gave up on Villain Club. Now we're going with Villain Enterprises. And he has found himself a tag team partner, at least in Australia, in Mr. Brody King. Are we going to see that storyline continue into Ring of Honor? And does Brody King play into this match going forward on Friday night? Very interesting. Be very fascinating to see what happens there. Uh, Rick, these next two matches, you can't pick which one's going to be the main event. Um, But I'm going with our good friend Todd Sinclair, who says that we should close every show with the Ring of Honor Championship. So that's the direction I'm going to go. But boy, is this a tough act to follow. It's going to be Ladder War 7. The Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships on the line as SCU, Kaz, and Scorpio defend against the two scariest men in professional wrestling, the Briscoes and the Young Bucks. Of course, we, we have no idea what is going to happen coming out of Final Battle, coming out of Wrestle Kingdom, coming out of New Year's Dash. I'm leaning towards the Briscoes, but I really can't call this thing. Reach for the sky, boy. I'm with you here. Uh, it be really interesting, you know, SCU, Kaz trying to keep, you know, have a reason to keep his job. You know, you're representing one of you know one of the major championships. You, you gotta feel they're giving you some kind of extension. We need to show up on a handshake, something like that. Can't fire me uh, when I got the title. Well, I mean, that also goes into hey, you can't fire the tag champs and let Daniels go. I mean, it, it, it's gonna and you be can't fire Daniels if he's the number one contender. Right. So you got all that that kind of plays in. Uh, obviously, the Briscoes through 2018, one of the top tag teams in the world absolutely devastating inside the ring one of the most decorated duos and individuals within ring of honor one of the foundations of the company right now uh, and then again we've got you know what's going off the elite in the box uh, i wouldn't be surprised if they win these damn things no that wouldn't surprise me at all that could be another swerve like what happens if at the end of the night we look at the ring of honor roster and hangman page has the roh tv championship the Young Bucks have the ROH Tag Team Championships, and Cody is standing there with the ROH World Heavyweight Championship. And you've got number one contender, Marty Scroll. Yeah. What the hell happens then? Where does that leave Ring of then Honor? All, then, all, then all of this talk, you know, all elite wrestling, they're going to WWE. You know, they're going to go, they're going to remain with New Japan. All of that's kind of uh, thrown out the window. Everyone wondering, you know, what's the future of Ring of Honor here? I mean, we just, we could be at the end of the evening, kind of sitting there in, in awe, our, our jaws on the floor. What the hell just happened? What if this is the birth of all elite wrestling? What if all the ROH titles get thrown down ECW style? And this is the beginning of all elite wrestling. What if Ring of Honor is dead and Ring of Honor becomes all elite wrestling? Who the hell knows what's going on here? You know, we have talked about, and I know initially when someone hears like, oh, oh my God, I could Ring of Honor wouldn't let them just trash their belts like that and then exit. Actually, it might be a stroke of genius because we've talked about the new direction of Ring of Honor. Where are they moving with some of these recent signings that are a little bit of, you know, they're, they're trending a little bit differently in the past from those indie darlings. Maybe they are going to change, you know, how they present themselves. It would be, that would be a great way to kind of, to reboot your brand. 
It really we just was. got completely destroyed. Final battle's going off the air. We are in shambles. What the hell do you make of this, Colt? And there's nobody in charge. There's no enforcer at this point inside of Ring of Honor. That's what they call their general manager, by the way. So what in the hell do you do with the company? Where does Ring of Honor stand going into 2019? Tune in to find out. It's a hell of a hook, man. That's for sure. Let's talk about the the, the big main event. At least I think it's going to be the main event. And that is going to be the ROH World Heavyweight Champion, Jay Lethal, taking on Cody. Of course, we have the CM Punk storyline here. Cody is saying that he is going to win this title and he is leaving Ring of Honor as the World Heavyweight Champion. Rick, I am fascinated here. And I think of all the possibilities on this card. Yeah, we talked about, yeah, Hangman could win the TV title. Yeah, the Bucks could win the tag titles. But I think Cody's got to have the best shot of winning gold on this show, doesn't he? You know, going back... I kind of, you know, I like the idea. Cody walks out with the belt. You got Taven just standing there. Hey, I'm the only champ. It really hasn't earned anything per se, you know, except in his mind there. But he's got the claim. Hey, I'm the only one with the title around here. I'm the champ until you get that belt back. Until you figure something out, what's going on or whatever. You, you can have, as we just said, you can have all the titles on the elite at the end of the evening. We're, we're talking about all this potential. Would you feel let down if Jay Lethal just won this thing? No, absolutely not. Uh, Jay Lethal, very much like the Briscoes, one of the cornerstones of Ring of Honor. And I, I feel like Ring of Honor is in very good hands with Jay Lethal at the helm as the ROH World Champ going into 2019. But it wouldn't surprise me the way that they have kind of built this story with Jay Lethal feeling disrespected, talking about Cody winning the championship when he was not under contract the first time and how disrespected the entire locker room felt by that, that Cody was even put into that position. Cody's comments about leaving Ring of Honor with the ROH championship. I could very easily see them building this all the way up until the anniversary show. Could you see Jay make a turn? I'm all for heel Jay Lethal, man. I mean, he kicked Cody in the balls this time. I'm all for it. 100%. Bring this whole thing full circle. I say, you know, so much. We can come at this thing from any direction, but, you know, kind of like, I guess, my last thought on this thing. I I think it's going to be an interesting element. I want people to pay attention to it because she's earned it. And it's going to be the participation of Brandy Rhodes in this match. I'm all about paying t- attention to Brandy Rhodes. Well, I, I know it's easy on the eyes, but really pay attention to her. It, you know, we talked about it you know, in, in Jay's match against uh, Flip at All In. It, you just kind of you, you step back for a moment and just watch you know, her subtle actions at ringside. She has evolved so much into a tremendous manager, a great presence out there, you know, to just, you know, tell the story without saying anything, actually, you know, without overly getting involved, but then she's not afraid to do that either. She'll get in there and mix it up. You know, if you want something interesting on the side to watch, keep your eyes on Brandy. Not that it's a hard thing to do, but yeah, this is, I'm really, this is going to be a great vibe. This entire dynamic. This entire show is an awesome dynamic, man. I cannot wait. To see this show. Finally, we're going to get some questions answered going into 2019. The only thing that's terrible about Friday night is you've got 
final battle. You've got MLW. And as we heard on the uh, Impact Press Pass, you know, you're going to have on Twitch, Impact is going to be live at Rockstar Pro in Ohio versus everybody down there. Yep. If you can't find me this oh, weekend, oh, I'll be watching oh, wrestling. One night. And then how much more do we have going on there, too? I, I know we got the ladies. You got Shine with like 55 going on. You, you've yeah. got some great stuff overseas happening. I think there's some New Japan stuff this weekend, correct? Yeah, because they're on the road to Wrestle Kingdom right now. Doesn't stop, man. Just doesn't stop. Fantastic a, a, stuff. A wrestling, a wrestling OD. Yeah, what a time to be a wrestling fan. But you know, there's one thing that keeps me in shape when it comes to uh, preparing to watch all of this professional wrestling, and you know what it is, Rick? Stevie Richards. Stevie Richards and Stevie Richards Fitness. That's the only thing that keeps me motivated to watch all this stuff. Here's a word from Stevie Richards. I thought you were going to say Tina's spicy burritos. I don't think that falls into the Stevie Richards diet plan. Hey, this is Stevie Richards. I'm here to tell you, you don't necessarily need all this equipment to get in the best shape of your life. All you need is this, a resistance band. I'm so excited to offer the 12-week resistance band training program to you, which features an interactive PDF with full overview videos, modifications, descriptions of all the exercises, scalability, no matter what fitness level or what age you are, the PDF scales the workout to you. Also, after your instant download of the PDF, you get full direct email support right from me, as well as access to a Facebook group with an awesome interactive community. I can't wait to help you take control of your fitness journey. So just put in stevierichardsfitness.com, go to the store, and download the 12-week resistance band training program. This is the Messiah of Pain, Punishment Martinez. You're listening to The Locker Room with Jargo and RDV. Thank you very much, Mr. Richards. So, Huckleberry, let's, uh, we haven't talked a whole lot of WWE on this show, and boy, this is going to be another one of those marathon shows. I guess we should probably talk about WWE TLC, which is coming up this Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the WWE Network. Rick, what do you think about these early start times? They're very, uh, very taxing. Yeah. It, it, uh, you, you, raises hell with my schedule i can tell you that i was gonna say i would really love to see the thought process from you know the management standpoint about getting these things kicked off so early and even to me because I mean, you're looking at here three o'clock on the west on a sunday um you're right there well I, you know i guess maybe it works there because their football games are kind of wrapping up yeah i guess that's true I guess that's true. But, it's just, it just seems still, so early and it's completely complicated. Maybe it's just me because I work third shift and I like to sleep as long as I possibly can. Well, I, but. Even, even in that, when you're even making adjustments from anything that going on, even outside the NFL, uh, just that, you know, everything that, you know, Sunday is kind of like a family day. You know, if, if you got some sports going on or, or you're just out and about, it's when you can kind of get together and do some things, uh, church or whatever, you, you kind of need that transition time. Where you kind of wrap up what you had plans on. You want to be able, you know, maybe sit down and enjoy some dinner before you re-gear and get ready for some professional wrestling. Uh, to me, this is, again, just WWE just asking a little too much from their audience. Uh, and you get that backlash where it just leaves a bad taste in individuals' mouths. 
So let's take a look at the card because, you know, on paper, again, this actually looks like it could be a really good card. It also looks like things could completely fall apart. Let's go ahead. Let's start with the match that you and I know absolutely nothing about, and that is the WWE Cruiserweight Championship. Buddy Murphy, your current champion, taking on Cedric A. Alexander, the former champion. Rick, it seems like every month when we talk about the WWE Cruiserweight Championship match at the pay-per-view, it's Buddy Murphy versus Cedric Alexander. Is there anybody else on 205 Live worth watching? Well, you keep hearing about all these all these great names they have there, and this is rare that we've run into something that we absolutely have no idea what we're talking about, and we have to admit that here. Uh, it's just with so much content out there with the 205 with the 205 style i could find that elsewhere in a more entertaining venue with stars that i actually want to watch yeah so here you know I, i'm sure i'll pay attention to this match i i want to support these guys I, it's great that they're getting an opportunity to shine on a stage like this and I'm sure it'll be a good match. Every time I see this match, it's a good match. Well, again, it, it's going to come down to where this thing is placed. Uh, they typically do the, uh, you know, the cruisers zero favors and putting them in cooldown situations where it's hard to get kind of geared up for what they've got going on. And we see that time after time. It, it's almost at a point, instead of throwing them in the cooldown spot on a main card, I'd rather to see them on the pre-show. You know, give them 10 minutes to go out there and do something. I, I know it's you're not going to have the, the full focus of the WWE Universe, uh, but to me, you know, the people that are watching are the ones that you're going to be able to hook and retain to go watch 205 programming. I agree completely. I'm going with Buddy Murphy to retain. How about yourself? Why the hell not? Yeah, right? I don't know. I, it just seems like he just won this thing in, in Australia. I, I can't see him losing it already. It, it almost it seems to me if you're going to do the switches in the cruiserweight, it actually would be best suited to do that on 205 where you know you have that core audience that's going to be excited for something like that where it's really going to to miss the mark uh, on this on this type of stage. Agreed. Uh, let's talk about Rey Mysterio versus Randy Orton. This is going to be a chairs match. So, Rick, I, I'm not exactly sure. What is a chairs match? Does this mean that chairs are legal, but like, you know, if Randy Orton grabs a kendo stick, it's not legal? Yes. This is uh, the, only, the only weapon for an object that, that you are allowed to use here is a chair. Uh, to me, the, the bigger problem is... The, that they feel the need to have to strap a gimmick on this thing because they know it's not really that appealing otherwise. Uh, you got two legendary stars, future Hall of Famers in this thing, but it's almost, we've seen this either, you know, Mysterio, Orton, Hardy, some kind of, you know, intertwining with Orton with these other legendary stars right now that it's worn thin on the audience. So what's what's what do we got to do here? Let's slap a gimmick on. I'm thinking I'm, I'm going to go with Randy Orton. And the reason that I'm going to go with Randy Orton is because I received a email from WWE the other day advertising a house show in Dubuque, Iowa. Imagine this. It's going to be a SmackDown show because that's all that comes to Iowa. We never get raw. So but you say that like it's a bad thing. Well, this is true, um, but they're advertising AJ Styles versus Randy Orton. That is going to be the main event on that tour. 
So, Rick, I'm going to go with Randy Orton over Rey Mysterio here because it seems as though AJ Styles versus Randy Orton is going to be the WrestleMania match, whether or not the WWE championship is involved. Well, I was going to say, you know, when did they make that announcement? Because we heard those rumblings uh, a few weeks back. They were planning on Orton versus Styles for the championship at WrestleMania. Obviously, uh, that doesn't look like the case as AJ Styles is no longer the champion. We could obviously could have another shakeup. One would believe so with how hot Daniel Bryan is right now in his current role. Let me ask something. You know, in all honesty, I mean, I think that's a great house show match. Uh, that's that would be tremendous for those in you know heading to a live show. Without the title, does it do anything for you at WrestleMania? Not really. Um, but you know, the thing that I keep bringing myself back to, man, and I've seen it and you've seen it, and I don't think our listeners believe it unless they go to a SmackDown house show. Randy Orton is a big star. Does AJ Styles get anything out of beating Randy Orton? I mean, Randy Orton certainly gets nothing out of beating AJ Styles, but does AJ Styles get a little bit of a rub from defeating a 14 time WWE world heavyweight champion? I think a bit, you know, it's going to add to uh, the legacy of his WWE run, most certainly. And and like you just said, for people, you know, that sit and gripe, or again, here and there, go to a live event. Orton is is one of the few true superstars left in this company. Uh, All walks, you know, fans from all walks of life are familiar with him. They recognize him. Uh, They gravitate towards him. I think, you know, really looking at this, how hot AJ is now, Randy bringing in what he brings that audience. That's a great live event match to throw up on a marquee. I think, you know, that, that could sway some people to actually buy a ticket to go watch this stuff. Yeah, that's true. Now, now I love it. I love it on that, on that stage. I just don't know if it, if it's mania worthy. Yeah. If it parlays over to WrestleMania, uh, or if I trust them to give me a story, behind it you know we do have randy where he's trying to take out all the darlings uh you know you don't really get any bigger on that avenue than than aj uh maybe that's where they go i I don't know it's just really screams and i'm sure if orton if he wants to it could be one of the top matches at wrestlemania but i just think it, it falls way down that card it doesn't get a lot of attention in the build okay well let me ask you this if it's not aj styles versus randy orton then what is the AJ Styles match? Because when I look at the heels on SmackDown Live, I mean, it's not going to be Daniel Bryan. It's not going to be Samoa Joe. It's not going to be Shinsuke Nakamura. Isn't Randy Orton the next heel on that roster? I, 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 and I get with the, the process of elimination. I'm just more worried. Are they going to have the time dedicated to us to get us invested in it? Or is it just going to be this cheap creative? If you're going to go the route of cheap creative, I'd much rather have a a showcase of respect, give the guys 10 to 12 minutes and go on the flip side of this match and have Rey Mysterio versus AJ Styles is a highlight showcase at WrestleMania. I do like that. Um, so I'm going with Randy Orton. Who are you taking Mysterio or Orton? I really think, I think Orton can survive a loss here. I think he's still got Mysterio back. Although, you know, individuals like us know how great he has been. WWE isn't really putting that over. It's almost like he has been obsolete for all this time since leaving WWE the last time. I think for that portion of the WWE universe, it isn't familiar with how 
how hot Ray is, you know, the best shape of his life. They're not familiar with that. I think they need to take an opportunity here to reestablish Ray. Uh, and this is a great, a great jumping in point. I assume this is going to be your pre-match main event. It's going to be the mix match challenge finals. The fabulous truth. Cue the seven second dance party. There you go. Live in the gimmick. And the fabulous truth is going to be taking on Mahalisha, Jinder Mahal and Alicia Fox. Uh, Huckleberry, I'm going with Fabulous Truth to win this thing, and I'll tell you why. Because I really want to see our truth win number 30 in the Royal Rumble, except come out at number 30 during the Women's Royal Rumble because he's confused exactly what he won. Uh, you know, that's where they're going to go with this thing, but I, I want to go to the very basics. It, the Mixed Match Challenge has pretty much become a joke in itself. Uh, they've had to have replacement after replacement. And then they try to let's let's try to boost some viewership. Let's throw a gimmick on this thing, a stipulation in the hopes that people will care about it. You're putting number 30 in each rumble on the line. Look at these teams, for God's sakes. <laughs> this is the best you can come up with right here. Jinder Mahal and Alicia Fox. You betcha. Getting that rub. This this is the is the best you can come up with. I mean, you're already. I mean, no one is really taking the entry spot at thirty all that serious, uh, and then you're gonna give it up to these four individuals. I'm telling the only thing that makes any sense is fabulous truth winning this thing, and then our truth trying to enter the women's rumble at thirty. That's the only thing that makes any sense. So so this entire thing was for a 10 second comedy spot. Yeah. That's honestly what I believe. That's worse than opening a show and telling me how shitty it is. (laughs) Tremendous. So I'm going with fabulous truth over strong Huckleberry. What do you think? I'm going, I'm going with you on this. I don't think there's any way that Ginger and Alicia win this win thing and uh, this is all set up here for for that for spot our truth to try to enter the women's rumble natalia takes on ruby riot in a tables match over my glasses uh huckleberry so monday night they put jim the anvil Nightheart on a table and as natalia is standing there and cutting this heartfelt promo you and i were having quite the hysterical conversation over what it was that natalia was trying to say like when she brings up you know oh i'm gonna say his name and i'm thinking is can we not say jim the anvil Nightheart? did did i miss something and then my next thought was oh shit is she actually gonna say chris benoit now, see, I thought, I mean, when she got all serious, she was on that that big family, that big family kick, trying to pull those emotional heartstrings there. I thought she was going to say Owen. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, and then maybe talk about Owen in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, you know, but uh, obviously, you know, this is where going back to the top of the show here, when we were talking about where this show, they just went back to the same old, same old. It was this segment. I immediately, you know, what I said to you, I said, okay, this is where we're we're really supposed to just turn off and not come back to the program. And and I know some people took issue that they're going this route with that they're playing off. You know, her father just passed away, and it's maybe too soon to make this a storyline. I, I guess I'm I just the way I am. I 
I think it's almost impossible to offend me. That I didn't care about. But going overboard in these situations and the terrible acting and the terrible scripts that they were given just completely took me out of this. Took me out of the moment here. I, I don't know why the hell we needed to do this in the ring. Yeah, there is that. And I also wondered why why did Natalia just walk past that table that was wrapped? Like sitting there on the stage during her entrance. Oh, it was just sitting there? Yeah. No, 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 it wasn't. What, did they bring that out after she was yeah. in the ring? Yeah, when Ruby came out, the other Riot Squad members carried that out with her. Oh. That's why they left. They carried the table out and left. Shows you how much attention I was actually paying to Monday well, like, Night again, Raw. Well, you know, this is, you know, kind of just, you know, with the theme we were talking about with Mysterio and Orton, they've been trying to, to tug at people's, you know, emotions here. I mean, they know you lose a father there. And then obviously, I mean, they go about with the glasses. Like, that's the only fucking pair of glasses he ever had in his life. That they went around the world with him with all the greatness every time he won a tag championship or you know, every time he debuted it for a promotion or all the accomplishments that he had, it was those glasses. I mean, the motherfucker had a trunk fool driving around with those things. It, it, that is so silly in itself. And they're just trying to get you invested here in something that is otherwise terrible. And they realize that. So, again, they try to slap a gimmick on it. Yep, pretty much. That's pretty much where I'm at with it. Um, <clears throat> I don't even care who wins this match, man. And, and I'm still of the opinion, I don't think this match is going to happen because I think Sasha and Bailey are going to get added to this match and it's going to be a six-woman tag. And a tables still? Yeah, why not? Why not? We like to be just throwing around gimmicks. I mean, it seems like every match on this show has a gimmick attached to it. I guess let's talk about the uh, SmackDown Tag Team Championships. I guess uh, because th- th- this was awful. We have the bar defending against the new day and the Usos. Rick, these are the three best tag teams inside of the WWE. So Tuesday night on SmackDown, they have them come out and have a rap battle. Oh, why? Just Why? After after they went, I was embarrassed to be white. Uh, after the Usos took their go around, I was just embarrassed to be a professional wrestling fan. <laughs> oh, yeah, this was bad, dude. This is really bad. Um, I I don't even care who wins this match, and that's sad. There's nothing to get invested in here. Uh, this is just another glaring example of that the tag team division is the modern day divas. They do not care. They run any pathetic segment they possibly can out there. Uh, you still got new day trying to get their cheap ass pops. I think that is even starting to wear thin with the kids. Now they're growing tired of this. Uh, they, they need to just hit a complete reset, shake up both of these divisions. I still think they just need them all on one show because we're seeing across both brands, how pathetic they are. Uh, and this was a prime example of that. It was just downright embarrassing was really bad. Uh, here's a match that may not even happen, and that is Finn Balor versus Drew McIntyre. Rick, I'm not exactly sure what's going on, but it seems as though uh, poor Fergal has uh, become ill with, with some kind of something, but it's serious enough that he has been pulled from house shows, and he was not on Monday Night Raw. 
now this match just feels flat going into it. I just want to see Drew McIntyre squash him. Uh, at that point, that's that's exactly what I would do. If he is ready to go, have him go out there and just annihilate annihilate Finn. Um, have him go away for a little bit. And while he's away, he's finding the demon. Yeah, build uh, to we, the we return. Need we need something like that. I still think the demon, and now I don't even know how effective it is because we saw McIntyre lose to have the demon go over him. You know what I'm afraid of is this is the one match on this show that has absolutely nothing attached to it. There's no gimmicks. There's no championships on the line. And I'm terrified they're just going to parade the demon out there without any build to it whatsoever. Most likely because, oh, we need something. We need something to pop the crowd here. It's going to be middle of the car. They're not really going to get any time. They're just going to hope for an entrance and to try to get people buzzing when there's absolutely no substance. I'd almost prefer that he missed this damn show. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Elias versus Bobby Lashley. And Rick, this thing is being advertised as a ladder match, but it sure sounds like a guitar on a pole match to me. That's essentially all it is. And I hate these types of matches where, you know, either with the pole or the ladder, if you you get the object, you're allowed to use it. What the hell has that ever played out? Yep. Yeah. What the hell does that ever play out? It's just, it, it's dumb to me. So, and, I, and, on top, and on top of that, what the hell, what the hell prevents you got Lashley uh, beating a shit or, you know, they're battling back and forth, him and Elias outside the ring. It stops Leo Rush from just going up and getting a guitar for a Oh, that's a very good point. That's a very good point because I, I can't see Elias or Lashley climbing a ladder. Maybe you're right. Maybe Leo Rush is the one that actually climbs the ladder, and that's how the guitar comes into this thing. I feel like the booking of this match is going to be determinate on the next match because I could see Elias going over Lashley here with it being a gimmick match, or I could see Lashley going over Elias just because it's Lashley and we're trying to book him strong, I think. Well, I, I want to bring up a great point that Strangler D. King me uh, last week previous episode of the locker room on Wednesday. Just the lack of logic in the booking. All right. So Elias goes over and gets the win over Lashley. He still has a loss to rush, right? He's not getting, he's not getting that shine back by beating Lashley. I mean, I get WWE's eyes. It's, Oh yeah. But Lashley caused that, right? He's going to one up. Lashley. He's still got beat by the 150 pound manager. So what do we get? Another, do we get a, a, payoff for that on monday night i'm gonna go with lashley wins this match leo rush brings the guitar into it elias somehow gets the guitar away from leo rush hits leo rush with the guitar turns around eats the spear from lashley that's your finish i another so i'm just gonna kind of throw my hands up here i actually looking at this card talking about it i don't know it's so infuriating I mean, you got two matches. I'm going to say one and a half matches are going to make this show. And looking at this undercard in this build, you, like looking at it, you're right. If it would have had any, a half-ass build, these are some great matches on paper. Yeah. This is something you, you would really buy into. If I hadn't watched, forced myself to watch the last four to six weeks of this garbage and just tuned in for the pre-show for their promo packages, probably would have enjoyed the hell out of this show. Yeah, because like I said, on paper, it looks really good. It's just the creative is awful going into but, it. But here we are. Uh, another match I have no interest in. I have nothing invested. The lead to it has been so piss poor. I'm completely checked out. 
Um, also, note to Elias, uh, I understand that you were in San Diego, and I understand that the San Diego Chargers are now the Los Angeles Chargers, but eventually, you're going to have to go back to Los Angeles. So maybe burying Los Angeles while you're in San Diego, not the smartest move that you've ever made. That, that was just asinine to me. Uh, here's another match that we don't know if it's going to happen or not, but I think it is. It's going to be Braun Strowman versus Baron Corbin. And Rick, I'm, I'm quite sure this is going to be a squash match, even if it's just Braun Strowman defeating Baron Corbin in a minute and a half with one arm. Well, the, what, the thing that really worries me here is that we're going to get some kind of shenanigans. Uh, I'm not ruling out that eventually Strowman does emerge from wherever the crowd, the back, wherever it might be, that he that he will come out win this match. I'm not gonna not gonna debate that, but I'm worried. And I've been saying this for a little bit. I can see them bringing out what was Strowman's tag team partner. What was the kid's name? Nicholas. Nicholas. I can see them bringing you know Strowman saying or uh, Corbin saying, you know what? I found I found a replacement, someone that he knows that he's been a champion with or some bullshit. Bringing him out, some kind of shenanigans, running out a, a midget, Braun Strowman, something like that. I I have no interest in that right now. I just don't see any way that Baron Corbin can still be in charge of Monday Night Raw this Monday when that show opens after what happened last Monday on Raw. I, I would be a little interested in seeing, as we talked about, I, I, I like the dynamic. I, I like Bliss. Ideally in that authority role, I don't like how they're using her. I, I can't stand these Q&A segments. Oh, they're so that bad. they've been having with them. But I would like to see her in that main role. And I know there is a, a little bit of conflict there because you've also got Paige on the other side. You want to be so similar. I think Paige is on the way out. Uh, that, that train wreck, that abomination of a movie has bombed that is behind them. They can move away from Paige. Yeah. And, and I think it's and not, not that she's doing a bad job. I've enjoyed her role over there because she's not really overbearing for the most part. Uh, but if I'm going to have to choose between one, I'd really like to see Bliss. Now, I know Bliss has been cleared, but I don't really know, you know, what is there? Where does she fit in right well, now? At least, you know, that if she has been cleared and she becomes the general manager, at least she can get her comeuppance. You know, where like if Paige is pissing, like Paige is pissing off Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. It's not like you're going to see Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville put a beat down on Paige. That's not going to happen. Right. Yeah, at least there you know that Bliss can get involved. But I'd, I'd like to see her you know, expand that role. If we're going to have to go with an authority figure, I'd much rather have her there. I'd be more interested you know, to see the downgrade at Baron Corbin. Where does he go from there when he has to adjust to just being another you know, everyday superstar, get in line in the pecking order? I think this, this push that you have seen for Baron Corbin is going to be the same push that you saw for Jinder Mahal. And a year from now, Baron Corbin is going to be in the Mixed Match Challenge. And that's all you're going to see of him. Is there a possibility that that Strowman isn't able to go and we see Kurt Angle? I guess that's a possibility. I mean, you know, where you have like Stephanie or Hunter comes out and says, you know, yeah, okay, Braun Strowman's not here, but you're still going to have a match tonight. Because everything that Seth Rollins said Monday is accurate, and we're going to take care of this. 
Well, what if you get uh, – you don't have Stephanie or Triple H. You can still kind of keep that heat on them. You get Cameron in, the man himself. Kurt went to the very top, Vince McMahon. That would get a pop. That's for sure. Regardless of how much people are disenchanted with WWE, we still cheer Vince McMahon every time we hear that damn music. I will say, I guess, a positive note, uh, it's going to be interesting. And I think that's why they gave us this, you know, they gave us a TLC match on Monday is because they don't, they know this thing isn't going to live up to the hype, the expectations of a TLC match. So we're not really looking forward to that. But storyline-wise, the development you know, for the storyline and then the program in, in general, it, it it's on the shoulders of this match. I'm happy you brought up that TLC match um, because, you know, when we saw Baron Corbin versus Finn Balor versus Demon Finn Balor, that match went for all of about a minute and a half. And yet Seth Rollins, your number one babyface, needs 25 minutes to beat Baron Corbin in a TLC match. Thought that was a little tone deaf. You you think they that they even look back that far? Nope, and that's the problem. That's why this show sucks. Let's talk about uh, the WWE Mid Card Championship of the Universe. That's right, your WWE Mid Card Champion. Uh, what what are we calling him now? Angry Vegan Kurt Cobain, otherwise known as the New Daniel Bryan. He's going to be taking on the world's worst father, AJ Styles. Uh, Rick, both of these guys, I feel like, are, are being damaged inside of the booking against each other. I'm ready for this to... I'm ready for Brian to just retain over Styles and have both of these guys move apart. Because I don't feel like this program is what we need from AJ Styles or Daniel Bryan right now. It should be bigger than TLC. Well, I think, you know, that's, that's probably the positive here. We're, we're, we're going to get a great match between these two. Hopefully, you know, they're allowed the time to go out there. There's not so many shenanigans going on within the match. But, yeah, it's time for these guys to separate. Uh, let's let Daniel continue to build with that championship run. Let's let AJ, you know, go off, work some other side programs. Because this will be, time. what, the third time that we've seen this match in the last six months? Yeah. You know? Yes. I know it's a new Daniel Bryan, but it's still the same old match here. I'm really enjoying Brian right now. He is uh, a bright spot in the WWE universe. And now we're getting reports out. William Asia over on Facebook and how many media discussion group uh, posted a, a great story about this earlier today. But this is Daniel Bryan. One of the reasons that they couldn't come to terms as quickly as they wanted to on his new contract is he was holding out for that creative control. Yep. Uh, and he ultimately got that. So it looks like he's one, you know, he's the puppeteer. He's kind of, you know, managing all the strings here. He's approving the scripts. He's working with the creative to make sure that they're moving in a right direction. Hey, and what an amazing concept when you actually listen to the talent, let them have a say that you find success like this. Let them use their own voice and take their personality and crank it up to 11. Yeah. As we were as going back, we were talking about, you know, ring of honor, how they build up flip. You know, he's that little guy that they've done everything right. You're going to be rooting for him. You love him, man. Even me, who I'm not a big flip guy, and I've been loving bully stuff. I'm going to be rooting for flipping that thing. Yeah? My heart goes out to him. On the other side, you got another little guy here who's such a twerp. You know, who just embodies everything of that millennial, that liberal snowflake voice that, that I cannot stand. I can't wait to see him get his ass whooped. And I'm going to love in this match that AJ is going to seemingly get so close 
but at the end be so far away from getting the job done and then Brian can move on to the next one. And then when we ultimately get that payoff, it's going to be a truly great moment. You know, I'm happy that you brought Flip up again because I forgot something when we were talking about Flip earlier. Um, you know, you, you put up all those um, award categories over there in the Hami and Media discussion group. And one of the categories is most inspirational. And somebody was flipping me shit for putting Flip Gordon on there. How, how is Flip Gordon not inspirational? I mean, the man was a full-time professional wrestler while he was serving our country in the military. How is that not an inspiration? Fucking yeah, I mean, people, man. Look, I mean, did they give you a reason or was it one of those where they just want to say something just blatant jackass comment with no substance? Yeah, that's what that's what it was. You know, and it's just like, dude, think about it. Flip Gordon is absolutely an inspiration. Come well, you'd you think so in a sense, too. I mean, he, he's defended the country. He volunteered to go do that, put in all the time, the effort, all the commitment that you have to do there. And then he came back here and is living a dream that so many of you know, pro wrestling fans and enthusiasts have to make that transition, you know, to make that sacrifice, to go out there and entertain for the masses. I, I don't see how anyone could argue that there. Yeah. Come on, guys. Get your heads out of your asses. Uh, let's talk about uh, Seth Rollins. He, he seems to be the real champion on Monday Night Raw. He is your number one babyface, and I don't want anybody to tell me anything else because there's no way Braun Strowman could have went out there Monday night and cut that promo and had it be even tolerable. So you have Seth Rollins, the most trusted voice in all of the WWE, and he's taking on Bane Ambrose, otherwise known as Dean Ambrose, the germaphobe that he is. Uh, Rick, I, I think I'm going to go with Ambrose to win the Intercontinental Championship here. Uh, again, this is, and it, you were kind of surprised that they didn't use one of the TLC gimmicks with this match. I was just, I'm, I'm surprised that they didn't do anything. Like, but, I figured there'd be some gimmick attached to it. And I, I think, I think they actually, I'm going to give them credit here. This is the right move in this situation because this thing's just getting rolling. This is just chapter one in something that we're going to have play out for quite a while, I, I expect. I could see this thing, them trying to stretch this thing to WrestleMania almost. Uh, but, but in any case, even if it just goes through, you know, through Fastlane or something like that, this is chapter one. It doesn't need anything like that. We need to save a special moment like that for the blow off. Now, coming out of the gate here, I think you could you can have Seth win, but you need to keep Dean Dominic. I think I want this to be a, a three act match. I think that's what I want because I think I want this to be three matches all at once. I want this to be the first, last, and only. I want Dean Ambrose to capture the Intercontinental Championship here, and then I want Seth Rollins to move on to Brock Lesnar. Because Seth Rollins should be the universal champion on Monday Night Raw. I'm ready to split these guys up already, man. You're so invested right now. And, and I think they can get back on track. They've kind of veered off, though, in the sense where they are, they are going to the Roman Reigns well far too often. I'll stand by. I think it was a great call to make the turn the night that Roman had to walk away. Emotions could not have been higher. Uh, the reaction from that crowd is the hottest and realest that we've seen in WWE in years, uh, possibly going back to the Nexus debut. Uh, to see something that real, that hot, you know, not just for those in attendance, but those at home. So to really grab the fans, you know, in 
it incites some emotion and, and great conversation and people were interested in where you were going with this thing. But then what do they do? In WWE fashion, they just can't live in that moment and then move on to the next. They have to they have to beat it into the ground repeatedly. And then this past week, we get the full package where they go back and revisit Roman's illness, saying goodbye. And, and even how they're handling Dean right now, you know, sitting in, in the doctor's office, watching that promo package, just standing there like a dumbass. And then like, oh, I don't have nothing to say. That, that's not who he should be. Should go back to what we were talking about. He should be by himself using the selfie promos in the dark, dark areas of the arena, taking us into the depths of his soul, you know, how tortured he is and how much that he loathes and just resents Seth Rollins to this point. We're not getting that. I think they can get back to that. Uh, what I'd really love to see here is Dean end up just beating Seth with seemingly inches from the end. Well, I mean, where you're concerned and then just leave, just walk away and take a count out. I like that. I could absolutely get behind that finish. You bet. And then it ends up being, you know what, man, everything else that was just an act. Now I'm getting real. I'm just going to start fucking with you. I can get behind that. Uh, let's talk about uh, Ronda Rousey versus Nia Jax. This is going to be Rousey just beating the shit out of Nia Jax. Like, there's nothing to even talk about here. There is a 0% chance Nia Jax is winning this match. Uh, I'm with you, and I hope this is go away, Nia. Uh, the only afterwards from this, the only big spot I want to see Nia involved in is when Becky just tosses her with ease out of the women's Royal Rumble. Yep. Uh, this this program is what it was intended to be. It was to it was filler until they could get to Rumble season for Ronda and move into WrestleMania. Uh, I, I hope that she comes out here and absolutely embarrasses Nia. Uh, as I said, we we try to give the talent so much credit for taking the crap that they are given creatively and, and trying to you know take the chicken shit and turn it into chicken salad. Uh, where Naya, she just takes the crap and just turns it into diarrhea. Uh, and we saw that this, this past week. What the hell was she doing yelling? I, I have no idea. I have no idea what Naya Jax was doing Monday on Raw. There, no. There's nothing There's nothing forceful in her, forceful in her delivery. Uh, she doesn't give off an energy as a monster. There, there really are no redeeming qualities at this point outside of, you know, she mentioned it there. She is... What six foot three hundred pounds? Well, great. There's other there's other tremendous big workers in the female division out there around the globe that could easily slide into this thing. It's time that it's time to go away. Yep. And I, I'm I'm just so worried that they're going to rely on this size and this toughness and give her and Tamina a serious push in this women's tag division. Which again, hey, dead on arrival. Yep. That's that should be what they called it. Oh wait, no, we already had a DOA, didn't we? Uh, let's talk about uh, your your main event, and I, I think I'm I'm safe in saying that, Rick. It's gonna be your SmackDown Live Women's Champion, the Man, Becky Lynch, taking on Rick's precious Shar Shar, taking on William Alicia's Empress of Tomorrow, Asuka. Rick, this has got to be the main event. This is this is the match with the absolute most intrigue on this show. It's a TLC match. It's the TLC pay-per-view. This has to be your main event. Hey, you got first ever women's triple threat TLC match. Uh, if this isn't the main event, it's pretty much WWE telling you it's okay to go ahead and turn this show off. Yep. 
If this goes in any other spot than the finale, don't expect don't expect the matches after this to get re- get reviewed Monday in the locker room because we're not going to watch them. No, this I, is I'll be Stark Raven pissed. This is what this event is built on. I, I say I said earlier this is a one and a half match show. I think there's a little bit of interest. You got a little bit of intrigue with Rollins and Ambrose. I give that my my half, but it's all based around this. This is the hottest program going on inside WWE. Uh, the fans are rallying like crazy behind Becky Lynch. What, what, what do we have? 90 seconds for access. Yeah. At uh, Royal Rumble sold out. I mean, people are absolutely, they're eating this up. It's an, it's an organic rise to the top. She is absolutely killing it, embracing all aspects of this, totally working every angle she can through social media. You've got the, the reassurgence of a fired up, uh, um, a hungry, a hungry Shar Shar. I love it. Uh, the aggression from her. And we're starting to see, you know, what we remember the greatness, what we loved in Oscar here. So who you got, Huckleberry? I know that you have went back and forth between all three of these women. I'm sticking with Oscar. Oscar is my pick. I think she's gonna go up the ladder and walk away with the SmackDown Live Women's Championship. Which way are you going? Well, I, I will say, man, they could come at this in a number of directions. I just don't want them to overbook this. I don't want other people involved. I, you know Rousey's going to be involved in this match, dude. That that I get because that makes sense. Because we're all expecting some sort of tie-in going into to WrestleMania season with either you know Rousey, Becky, Char Char somewhere in there. And, and I do agree with you. I don't think that Becky or Char Char they don't need that title. And you can create more compelling storylines on the blue brand by having Oscar with that championship. And then you don't have to forecast your WrestleMania main event because if Charlotte wins this title, you're almost guaranteed your main event is going to be Becky versus Ronda. If Becky retains the title here, you're almost guaranteed that you're going to end up with a triple threat match of Becky, Charlotte, and Ronda. If Asuka wins, you at least have the intrigue of who is going to win the Royal Rumble. Is it going to be Becky or is it going to be Charlotte? The only way that I see Charlotte walking out with this title is if we're doing Charlotte versus Ronda at the Royal Rumble so that we can take both women's divisions and that way we can get up to 30 women without bringing back a whole bunch of legends that we don't need to see right now because we just saw them all at evolution well remember last year they gave the champs a night off the the women's championships weren't even defended so you only lost two individuals inside of that rumble match right so they they could go that route and and i do i'm gonna disagree a little bit i think that you still have maybe not as as much intrigue to who wins the rumble match but you could throw a great swerve in there after becky wins it because even with the intrigue, if they go any other direction but but Becky, I mean, fans are going to fucking riot. If Becky is fans in the are, Rumble and does not win it, they will burn that motherfucker to the ground. Right. I mean, heads are ex- ex- explode. So I would have her just be doing one in there, have her, you know, have some great spots in there. And then the swerve is after she points at, she, all right, she's, who do I want? She points at Rhonda, place goes a little crazy, and then goes over and points at Charlotte. Charlotte and says, you know what? I want both you bitches. Let's all do this. Send it to WrestleMania, a classic gimmick that we haven't seen in a while. Two falls, first fall for the blue belt, second fall for the red belt. That is a freaking 
unquestionable closer if you want it to be. My two WrestleMania matches are Becky Lynch as the challenger against Ronda Rousey for the Raw Women's Championship and Charlotte Flair challenging Asuka for the SmackDown Live Women's Championship. I think that's where you get that actual full-bore rematch. Were you pissed off that we didn't get a finish on Tuesday night between Charlotte and Asuka? There were a lot of folks mad about that, man. Why the hell would they be mad about that? That's perfect booking. We talked about that last week. Yeah, we we saw it coming a million miles away. I couldn't believe how many people were pissed about that. You don't give you don't give a finish away on SmackDown with a week's notice. That's a big marquee matchup. You tease it there. You tease and remind people how good that WrestleMania match was. And you wait for another big spot. Like you said, a, a WrestleMania rematch SummerSlam. Uh, rumble next year I, I don't even think you could do it at this year's rumble it's too soon you want that thing to simmer yeah and you want it to when it comes full circle it's going to be another big match i can't believe that anybody would be upset that we didn't get a clean finish out of that thing so i'm going with oscar that's my logic oscar is going to be the smackdown live women's champion going into wrestlemania you'll have charlotte challenging oscar in the in the big rematch a year in the making and then you will have becky lynch versus ronda rousey because ronda rousey versus becky lynch in a singles match to me that's the wrestlemania main event if you add Charlotte into it, I think you start getting a little bit of debate if it's the main event or if it's not. I think it sticks to the main event in that triple threat with the stipulation that both of the titles are on the line. You got the possibility of the shakeup or even one individual. You know, would they actually do it? Will they put both belts on Ronda? Do you I trust you the intrigue there? Do you trust Vince McMahon to make that the main event over Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar? If that would be the match, there's going to be some uh, some great debate going on behind the scenes uh, with Stephanie. Daddy, daddy, I want this match. I need this match. I got a, I got a big PR campaign starting in April. We, this is what's going to do this for us. That's what you're going to get. I think Stephanie could convince him because she's going to convince him to change everything else about his fucking company. Like it's it's crazy to me, man, because I feel like Becky versus Ronda, I feel like is a bigger match than Seth versus Brock. But the second that you add Charlotte into the match, I almost feel like it devalues the match. Well, and now, you know, now we're getting these other rumors that you might see Conor McGregor in one corner and uh, Cormier in the other corner. So then Charlotte would be that kind of that odd person out. It's all about what stars, how how much over, how over the top you want to go in this thing. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm okay with either one of those. I will say about the match itself, Becky doesn't need the championship. You want her going into this rumble red hot, like, a, you know, always comparable to Stone Cold, whooping 29 other asses, taking this thing, and then challenging, you know, the champion of her choice. Charlotte, I could go either way. She doesn't need it, but I think it would help with that craziness where she's so obsessed with her precious, with her gold, and doing anything to make sure that, that she keep, holds on to it. It could just further drive her into insanity. But then with Asuka... It's almost like Asuka absolutely needs this title to stay relevant. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yep, I'm going with Asuka. Tuck myself into it. All right, Huckleberry, anything else that you wanted to talk about in the world of professional wrestling this week? No, I, th- I think uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to to all of the events this weekend. Uh, even I know it was a little hard here on TLC, but there are some things there. Like I said, you know, going forward, 
that we're going to be able to see the beginning of some storylines. And I think that's going to be the most interesting aspect of TLC. But hey, on top of that, so many great events. We were going to be covering the Ring of Honor, trying to take in everything else that's going on from MLW to the ladies to everything in New Japan. We've got a great interview we're going to record this weekend with Cody Hawk. We just got one on this show with Denim Blevins. So much going on these next couple weeks. uh, Professional wrestling-wise, it's going to be very hectic for the holidays. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. Then head over to the Roar Network and give some of the other shows a listen, like Going Home with Ryan and Michael, The Average Marks, and of course our friends Joe and Carl over at Turnbuckle Talk. You'll be able to find me over there on Monday as I help Joe filling in for Carl. You'll also be able to find RBV and I this Monday over in the locker room at hackerhameen.podbean.com as we break down all the action from the weekend as well as catch up with Cody Tuesdays at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can find us at twitch.tv backslash hitting the marks for HTM Sports. And Friday night after Final Battle, live on Twitch for a breakdown. Damn, we're busy, Huckleberry. You can follow the show at Pod. Find me at NotJargo, RBV. It has been a very long day of recording. Why don't you tell the peeps, the freaks, and the geeks where to find you? Well, I'm going to bring the gimmick back around. I want to see and hear about everyone's favorite gas station grub. So uh, snap those photos and tag me at the real RBV. Or hell, even tag the show at HTMPWPod. I want to see what you're grubbing on out there. And don't forget, hey, we got TLC week as we were talking about, obviously. But head on over to Facebook and the Hobby Media Discussion Group because the Pick'em Challenge is now up and going uh, for the next WWE event. Test your uh, your knowledge of WWE booking against some of the brightest minds in all of our professional wrestling fandom. That's over on Facebook and the Hobby Media Discussion Group. And speaking of speaking of pick'em challenges, head on over to ESPN in the fancy section and uh, give a search for HTM Sports Bowl Pick'em Challenge. That's going to be open until Saturday when uh, the bowl season officially kicks off. That's it for this week's show. We'll talk to you Monday over in the locker room. For now. We're off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Label me. I don't give up.
the bad guy. Label. 